to coast from Brooklyn. It's Pat McMenamin to San Francisco. It's Matt Youngner. Say hello, Matty. Patty, how you doing, buddy? You know what? I'm hanging in there. I'm doing all right. Not so bad, all things considered, right? Not so bad, all things considered. I, I got to say, uh, uh, you know, after the Indians lost the World Series in 97, it took me a week to get over that and be, to be able to present myself in public uh, as a composed human being. It was about a day or so, day or two, I feel like, this time. Different circumstances, but we'll talk about that. Yes, we will. Uh, we're going back to the beginning in this final Matty and Patty Cavs podcast. More on that later. Uh, we started the podcast with Come On Cavs. It only feels right that we end with it. Uh, and another reason it's appropriate, uh, it, just to go back to that first podcast, um, we've been sitting on some pretty big news, Matty, this whole huge. podcast run. Huge. Huge, 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 huge news. Um, about 24 hours after our very first podcast, I received an incredible email. Uh, let me uh, read it all to you guys. Uh, this was from Rich Buchanan, the executive vice president of the NBA. About 24 hours after our debut, we got an email from the executive vice president of the, of the NBA. It, it reads as follows. Mr. McMenamin, it has come to, come to the attention of this office that you are using certain intellectual property of the NBA without receiving prior consent. While I am sure this is an honest mistake by you, it is at the same time something that you must correct. To be clear, you do not have permission to use the logo of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Additionally, you do not have permission to use the theme song of the Cleveland Cavaliers. I took the time to listen to your, quote, program. Personally, I found it very amusing, and I think you and, quote, Maddie, should pursue a future in sports podcasting. In fact, for a first episode, it was very insightful. I thought the, quote, kill list was hilarious. Regrettably, though, I must ask you to cease and desist using the intellectual property of the NBA. Best of, best of luck with your program, and you and Maddie should consider sports journalism when you think about a college major. Mm. Signed, Rich Buchanan, Executive Vice President, National Basketball Association, in closer parentheses, RJ-BD, close parentheses. Uh, my instant reaction was, wow, really? No, 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 this, 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 this has got to be a fake. But, but I really, really, really want this to be real. Uh, so, but I, you know, I couldn't tell. I, I'm, I'm no lawyer, so uh, I did what, uh, 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 you know, anyone else would do. I reached out to our uh, pro bono uh, counsel, the Maddie and Paz, Maddie and Cass podcast pro bono counsel, uh, Edward Sackman, Esquire. Uh, and we just so happen to be uh, uh, have a special guest tonight, uh, this afternoon. Uh, uh, Ned joins us uh, live now. Let me get him up on here. Uh, Ned, can you hear us? Are you there? I am. I am here. Excellent. Uh, Ned, what was your reaction when I forwarded you that uh, that that email? I was extremely happy. <laughs> it was the best. 
<laughs> so great. I think I might have responded something like, uh, this is the best day of my life or something like that. <laughs> I was really happy. I got real excited for a second. I, I was just so thrilled. I was like, oh, man, our reach is so vast, but I was also impressed. I'm like, damn, the NBA got, like, some boss to find this shit? Like, it's not like they're, like, sitting around listening to random-ass podcasts all over the place. Uh, but then upon looking closer, you know, we caught a couple of telltale signs. Um, there's this big message at the top of the email that said, this email was sent via anonymous email service for free. You can remove this text message by being a paid member for $10 a year. Click here. Uh, Matt, Matt, you also found something, I think, that uh, was a telltale sign this was uh, not genuine. Yeah, I googled uh, Richard Buchanan right away just to see what his deal was. And there really is a, a Richard Buchanan who is the I think the lead legal counsel for the NBA. But he is Rick. He's Rick Buchanan. That's mm-hmm. how he signs everything. Not Rich. Mm-hmm. That was a, a tip-off. Yeah, big time. And also, nba-corp.com is not actually a real domain, uh, which is the part of the email address uh, that it was attached to. So, needless to say, this was a huge letdown. This was, this, was, this, was, this was crushing, and we didn't have the heart to even talk about it until now. I mean, mostly because I wanted to figure out uh, a, a way to, to, to get back at them, but Jesus Christ, Maddie, we're putting together like 10 goddamn episodes of a podcast. We, get, we ain't got time for that shit. No. Uh, now, the big question, I think, Ned, that, that we have to come to you for, I mean, you are sort of our consigliere. Uh, who did it? Who, who, who pulled this, this elaborate and, and excellently conceived prank that had a, a few fatal flaws? Sure. So I think, you know, you have to look at uh, who has the motive and who has the means. <laughs> I love and, when that comes to the lawyer. This is great. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, as far as motive, um, our friend uh, Bob Emmerich is a known prankster. Bobby uh, the Brain. Bobby the Brain is And his, uh, uh, certainly uh, th- this is something he could have hatched. Uh, one of his uh, past Confederates, Grant James Keating, mm-hmm. is also potentially in the mix. Uh, and and uh, I think you you know when you think about the language in the letter, there was uh, some semi-legitimate uh, lawyer language in the letter. It talked about cease and desist and so on. Um, yeah, and I've seen those. I've seen those those letters before. I mean, I, in my job at, at, as, as you know, TV journalism, I get tons of you know, cease and desist for, for, for improper fair use, you know, of of uh, copyrighted material. My, you know, I was I've been figuring this whole podcast. One, no one's really listening to it besides our loyal fifty listeners. Uh, but also, we're not making any money off this, so there's there's a lot of leeway. I feel like there. Um, but you know, I saw this. This looked genuine. This is this is similar to a lot of letters that I see in my job when I get when I use something improperly. Which, uh, which, which leads me to our third suspect, uh, uh, Jeffrey Stieg, the vile Stiggy Thins, mm-hmm. who, uh, although I don't specifically know him as a, a prankster, I do know him as a hater. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I think the, the, uh, the content of the letter uh, matches uh, his fingerprints uh, for two reasons. Uh, one, because it does have some of that legal language uh, that you would typically see, but two, because it didn't quite uh, get to the top of the mountain. And mm-hmm. if you know Jeff Prestige, you know that uh, he only completed two and a half years of law school. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I, I think uh, he, he's certainly a candidate for this. Big time. I, 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 those are the three uh, that jumped to my mind. 
Uh, for other reasons, my, uh, Sticky Grant to me showed unusual levels of interest in this podcast. Uh, they uh, offline, they, obviously, they had that awesome correspondent report from uh, Game Four, uh, but they were also early before the finals encouraging us to apply for press credentials. There was a very suspicious level of interest, I thought. Um, but this also, the, the, the letter itself, I just I was rereading it today. It kind of shows the hallmarks of uh, Bobby the Brain Emmerich. Because uh, he, he, you know, in the letter it says, uh, uh, you know, where is it? Um, you should consider a, a sports journalism. Uh, uh, you know, this is a great podcast. It's encouraging us that, you know, we could be, a, you know, a future in sports podcasting, right? Uh, it, Rob has very generously, as being a great a loyal fan of the podcast, uh, emailed me saying that Matt and I should quit our jobs and actually podcast full time, which uh, Becca. <laughs> Becca and Mimi were thrilled to hear this when we told them our plans to, to quit our jobs yeah. to do this full time. So that it also had that kind of fingerprint on it. I, I I don't know if I put it on all three of them, but they're three prime suspects. Um, if you had to pick one, I'm sure it's more than one. First of all, I think that's guaranteed. you think it's a cabal. I think it's a cabal. <laughs> this, this, this is not a one man job. It could be a one man job. If it is, it's impressive. That's a lot of uh, dedication and respect. But I think there's at least two people involved. It could be all three. But if there's one person who's guaranteed to be involved, either way, who, who would you say, guys? I say Versteeg. Hmm. My my vote is is Rob, who has previously engaged in creating a fake email address for yes. a real person. Uh, I believe that was Scott Fuller in the epic uh, rap battle war with Brad Keys. He set up a fake email account. Um, and Rob does have sort of the 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 tech savvy. Yes. Do this sort of thing. So uh, certainly that puts him in the mix. I'll, I'll say another candidate, uh, someone who should never be forgotten, yes. is uh, one Brent Langfuller, yeah. <laughs> uh, who uh, certainly, I think, uh, has been involved in pranks in the past targeting uh, both of you as well as me. Uh, ah, so, the pizza, uh, the pizza yeah. under the couch. Among other things. Oh my God. Um, I'll remind you also that uh, <laughs> I think Rob, you know, if you think about past pranks, <laughs> I think he changed the outgoing message on your answering machine. <laughs> That's right. He did. <laughs> I forgot about that. Have you read it? I think your mom was waiting for a callback from a job interview. Yes, yes, it was something very serious, and my mom got really upset, saying, uh, "How did this happen?" I, and I, I... <laughs> so uh, I don't know. I, I think uh, you know, you guys are kind of in the situation uh, I was in when I got that bag of shit at work, <laughs> <laughs> which is. Uh, at some point, I just too many suspects. Too many suspects. <laughs> to, to this day, uh, is that is that an unsolved mystery? It's an unsolved mystery, and uh, I'm just taking it as a sign of a life well lived. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a great, that's a perfect way to look at it. Yeah, no, we really can't overlook Brent. I have to also add in his favor, uh, he has a suspicious level of interest at all in this podcast. Uh, right, because he, he doesn't give a fuck about he, basketball, as far exactly. as I know. Exactly. No. But he started listening uh, last. Not enough white players. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he started listening to the last couple podcasts, but yes, I have to remember. There's only been one member of my friends, one member of the FCS players, who's ever been banned from my house, and that was Brett Fuller <laughs> for the pizza under the couch, which stayed there from for like over a month. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, it okay. work speaks for itself. It speaks for itself. I, I'm going to go out on a limb. I, I think I think Rob Rob's still the the, the top candidate uh, for all the reasons we mentioned. But I I'm going to I'm going to say uh, Cabal. I'm going to say all three: Stiggy, Grant, and uh, Rob uh, collaborate on this one. That's, mm-hmm. that, that's my vote. That's my vote. Well, I, I guess the one uh, the one thing I would I would uh, say that that suggests it wasn't Rob is you guys haven't heard anything that it was, and he has a big ass <laughs> mouth. <laughs> And so oh. if he had done this, I don't, I mean, you know, if he, if he did, kudos to him for sitting on it for like three, four weeks. Absolutely. But, uh, Absolutely. I think you probably would have heard about it. Or somebody would have anyway. Right. And yeah. it would have yeah. gotten back to you. So. Uh, all right. Now, before we let you go, uh, I do want to ask you about one Cavs-related thing. Uh, sure. uh, our buddy, um, the, the pariah, uh, Scott Fuller, uh, asked a good question about where this Cavs team ranks uh, uh, yep. uh, in terms of all-time Cleveland teams that you care about and, you know, favorite teams kind of stuff. Uh, you email the rest of our friends, but we'd love you before you, you go just to sort of give your uh, your take on, on where this Cavs squad um, ranks for you and why. Sure. So for me, these guys are number one, uh, mm-hmm. and the, the reasons are pretty straightforward. Um, I haven't seen a Cleveland team with this much mental toughness in my lifetime. I uh, have seen a lot of Cleveland teams that I liked and I wanted to win very badly, but it just seemed like, uh, you know, the other team had the mental edge. But uh, these guys, uh, these guys always seem to have that that mental edge, um, and I think it made up for a lot of uh, a, a lot of talent. Uh, disadvantage once once we got down to all stars, particularly in the finals. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing. Um, the second thing is they. I mean, other than the the '97 Indians, um, you know, these guys have gotten as far as anybody. This is this is the the most successful uh, Cavs team of all time. So you got to give them credit for that. Um, and then I just I like the players. I love Kyrie. I love his game. Um, I uh, you know I I I was all season long uh, watching, and I can't tell you how many times uh, you'd see him finish something at the rim, and I would just be like, come on! <laughs> you know? Um, I yeah, just... Awesome I, it, was, it was involuntary. Mm. Um, but, yeah. you know, TT, um, I, I... You know, Smith and Schumpert, mm-hmm. weirdly, I always kind of liked those players even when they were on the Knicks, so I was real <laughs> happy when they got them. <laughs> Um, I love Schumpert's high top. I think J.R. Smith is hilarious. Um, so uh, I just I like the players. I think they're mentally tough, and uh, they achieved. And so yeah, probably they're they're up there. Um, you know, and then I think that that late '80s, early '90s Cavs team is second, as a lot of people have identified. But mm-hmm. uh, those are my two teams, and these guys have just uh, you know it, it, it's been a pleasure to watch them. And to watch them play so late into the season, I was just happy to, to get to do that as hard as it was to see them lose. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, we'll, we'll, Matt and I will we'll weigh on this as well in, in a moment, but uh, I think it's a really, really strong take uh, uh, to lead us off, Ned. Thank you. Well, uh, before I go, let me yeah. just add one thing. I think this has been an outstanding uh, run of podcasts you guys have put together. Thank um, you. I, I commend you both. Um, and I also think uh, that. Um, you know, it, it's funny, you mentioned Scott Fuller, and uh, Scott, uh, as some of our listeners will know, uh, was 
uh, for a long time an editor at a paper in Northern Virginia, and certainly was thought of as you know kind of the journalist amongst our group of friends. But I think it's it's high time we recognize who the real journalist is, and uh, that is one Patrick McMiniman. Oh, um, right. Working, here, here. Uh, I believe, Pat, your first was your first job for John Stossel. Yes, it was. Yeah, yes, it was. so Pat's been in this business a long time, um, and he may not uh, have have uh, written articles in a newspaper the way that uh, Scott Fuller did, but he uh, articles. I think, I think he. <laughs> I the think boob, he understands the boob tube. It's the comedy. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, I think he understands the business. Uh, he understands how to be a broadcaster. And uh, he understands how to how to prepare and uh, present issues, and so I think you should be commended for that too. Thank you, Ned. That uh, was very generous. Uh, and Ned, and, and special thanks to you, Ned. Uh, you are uh, uh, the first fan, the first listener of the podcast by uh, uh, commanding us to do this podcast, since we were annoying you with a million texts that you enjoy but didn't have the time to read. <laughs> yeah, I'm really so, happy you guys uh, you guys did it. I figured uh, you guys were probably talking on the phone anyway, so you might as well just throw it into a podcast. Um, and I'll make a pitch. It sounds like maybe you guys are going to talk about this later, but I think uh, the podcast should be uh, expanded to perhaps some sort of a Shaker Heights Players podcast that covers other topics, or maybe, I don't know, Pat acts as a host and you have a rotating series of guests. Uh, you spread it out so it's not quite as often. But um, you know, it, it, it sticks around, um, and uh, I, I think uh, there's a lot of uh, people with interesting takes uh, in a, in our group of friends and listeners who would mm -hmm. uh, enjoy getting on the air. So I don't want to steal your thunder if you guys were going to talk about that at all later. Um, but uh, anyway, too late. Thunder stolen. Ned. Thanks a lot. No. <laughs> thanks for having <laughs> me. Guys. I'll talk hey, to you. Hey, Ned. Thanks, thanks buddy. Ned. Right. Stay with us. Uh, that was Ned Sackman, the first listener uh, of the Maddie and Patty podcast. Uh, we wouldn't be doing this, I think, uh, fair to say, uh, if, fair, fair uh, say, if he hadn't been here, uh, hadn't hadn't suggested this to us in the first place. Um, well, Maddie, let, let's move along to the podcast. We we uh, we we we, we uh, indulged uh, quite a bit there with the um, awesome start, but. Um, Let's go back here for a second. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, let me briefly give the boilerplate here uh, 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 to start off, uh, you know, but, you know, 20 minutes into the podcast. Uh, uh, you know, this is the Maddie and Patty Pass podcast. By way of introduction, we are two long-suffering and sadly still suffering Cleveland sports fans who spend far too much time watching, reading, and thinking about the Cavs. We are unapologetic homers, but we are self-aware homers with brains. So if you'd like the informed, intelligent Cleveland fans' perspective on all things Cavs, you've come to the right place. Um, and as a public service announcement, the finals are over, so the obscenity amnesty has been waived. Uh-oh. I will watch my language, mm. but I cannot promise I will talk any less. Uh, and then lastly, as Ned was alluding to, uh, this is the last episode of the Maddie and Patty Cavs podcast. It is going to be replaced by the Cleveland Sports Hour with Maddie and Patty in the near future. Uh, ooh. Ooh. I'll all Cleveland sports on the day. You like that? Yeah, nice. Uh, I like that you're into that. Sounds good. Because you're going to have to do it with me, so I'm glad, I'm glad you like it. <laughs> uh, all Cleveland sports will be on the table for this podcast. Uh, no Star Wars because Maddie has no soul and thinks they're childish and, you know, is disappointed. I don't know. These new ones might really be something, Pat. I, might, I, I am very They might finally make chicken salad out of that chicken shit. <laughs> 
in the interest of our friendship, I'm going to overlook that. Um, but uh, uh, maybe other topics, but the main focus is going to be Cleveland sports. If there are tangential things that are related to Cleveland sports, uh, we will talk about it, you know. Uh, uh, but we that, that's going to be the main focus, and uh, Maddie and Patty will be the the uh, center of this podcast universe, and uh, guests will come, much like our friend Ned just joined uh, uh, as we move on. Um, so let's talk about uh, let's let's get back into the pain, Matt. Let's 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 do it. Let's this is back. our milieu. I, I yes. feel comfortable with this. Me too. Me too. Let's, all let's the Warriors fans asked me after the game, "How are you doing? How do you feel?" I said, that, "This this feels very comfortable for me." Yeah, I said, "I'm all right. I'm all right." And I mean that, like I'm all right. Mm-hmm. You know, don't don't worry about me. I'm fine. It did take me a day. Like you know, I was you know part part of the answer was more that I had a horrible hangover the day, the yeah. day after the game. I was. I did not realize how much I nervously drank at the bar, but uh, when I got home, I decided I needed to get my mind off it. So I played some video games at two in the morning uh, <laughs> on the East Coast, and uh, I was going to have another drink. And I was like, "Ooh, I do not need another drink." Mm-hmm. Thank God, because even without that drink, I went just. I was really hungover the next day and was just powering through work. I was like, honestly, the, the hangover hurts more than the sports pain, right? Now. <laughs> Uh, but no, but seriously, I was I was all right. I was all right, you know. Uh, uh, you know, the, and we'll talk about why. Uh, but let's first talk about LeBron's question. I think what's been amazing to me throughout this series run is how LeBron has sort of, unlike his first go through, his first go around, like we projected ourselves onto LeBron, right? Mm-hmm. He never really projected back onto us, except when he would say, you know, play up his hometown roots and stuff like that. But it was always kind of uncomfortable, not quite there. It's more about him and less about us and less about Cleveland. Agreed. Um, but this time around, he has—he's he, like taken on the mantle of the fan. Like everything he's going, and he's through, found a voice. Everything he's going through, uh, the Cavs fans have been going through. When Delhi was getting, you know, uh, you know uh, vilified as a goon, as a as a dirty player, he came out in that press conference and said it better than any Cavs fan could possibly say. Why Delhi's not a dirty player? Uh, you know, when Blatt was getting, was, was getting coming out of the gun for not playing Mozgov in game four, LeBron was the one who came out and said, uh, sorry, how would Mozgov have stopped Steph Curry from hitting all those ridiculous threes that were contested? Because yeah. we, we, we were up one when that started to happen. So, yeah, it, it, he's nailed all those things. And then, of course, in his final uh, press conference after the game, after we lost, he said, you know, he started to publicly muse whether it would be better to miss the playoffs and lose in the finals because it hurt so much. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a question that is hitting every fan now. And forgive me, Matt. Um, I'm going to go on a, a, a mini monologue here, uh, you know, which is just par for the course. No, uh, go for it. But, I mean, this resonates with me, Maddie, because I was in a dark place as a Cleveland sports fan a year ago. I stopped caring about the Browns completely. The Tribe, too. The Tribe had that one good run where they, where they, made, they made that one playoff game, you know, two years ago, but they were terrible the year, the year after, or disappointing at least. Uh, and even even the Cavs, the Cavs who I was loyally watching this whole time, and it was just awful basketball. Uh, I would still watch them, and I was I was starting to be like, yeah, I maybe mean, just need to stop watching and just just you know it, it, you know. In a way, it was it was like, for me personally, it was very healthy. <laughs> I was a human being. I I, I did things. Uh, I thought about. You know, <laughs> I was I was productive with my life, but uh, you know, it's just. I was a really bad place, and I remember you being sad about it. Like, I barely even I – I think I missed the Zadrunas Ogowskis uh, uh, jersey retirement because I, yeah. I just – I forgot was I was on. I, I was disappointed in myself because I cared about Z, but I was like, ah, I just – I forgot about it because I wasn't caring about the Cavs anymore. It was just they were so bad, and it was so hard to watch. 
Um, and just, but just think about this. Let, let's let's take a walk back. Think about where the Cavs were um, a year ago this time, right? We were a year ago this time. We were cheering LeBron's defeat. Like I, I, we were talking on the phone. I was Very so excited. so so happy. Maybe so happy that he got beat so bad um, because he. And the reason why, of course, was loyalty. Cleveland Cavs loyalty, not because we hate LeBron, you know, for being a good player or because he left us. You know, we hated him because he left us in the way he did. And we were being loyal to our squad. So, you know, we were cheering LeBron's feet. Chris Grant had been fired. Brown had been – Mike Brown had been fired again. We were, in the midst of, we were in the midst of talking ourselves into Anthony Bennett. Uh, Kyrie had an awful year. He was, you know, he, he was, was on the – He was bad. You and I were talking legitimately about trading him. Uh, I think we said we would trade him for a top five pick in the draft. I think we did. Uh, it's a dark moment. I, I – I, 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 it seems silly now, but at the time he was really bad at the end of last year. It didn't look yeah, like he had. just getting outplayed left and right, um, and he had and he was on the seemingly sure path out of town anyways. Like you know, our, our next LeBron savior, you know, LeBron two was already going to be leaving, just like LeBron one point uh, But then, then we got the number one pick in the draft again, which was ridiculous. Then we got Wiggins. We made the right pick. Uh, although Stiggy might disagree with that, but still, we made, we didn't make a terrible pick. Uh, uh, there were the LeBron rumors that were just coming out of nowhere. I came back from vacation with seeing, with seeing, uh, then, then LeBron actually comes home, then Kevin Love, but then we lose to, you know, the Knicks in the opener. LeBron starts to look old. Things look terrible. He spends two weeks in Miami, which is weird. We're down 1920, uh, season record under 500. Then Dion gets traded for J.R. Shump and Mozgov. Then we go on scorched earth. Then we reach the playoffs. And then Olnick happens. And then J.R. happens. And then the bank shot in the Chicago series. But then the buzzer beater. The Browns buzzer beater. And then T.T. just just dominates. Then J.R. again. Good J.R. Then we're in the finals. And LeBron goes Hulk smash on Golden State. And then we lose. So, Maddie, let's, let's, uh, it's a long way of saying – or uh, coming around to LeBron's question is, is the pain worth it? Are you asking Dan me right now? right now? Yeah. No, I'll answer. Damn right. It's worth it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's called dramatic pause, Matt. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry. Was for an actor too. Not just a journalist, but an actor. Thank you. Come on. Uh, uh, to paraphrase uh, Scott Robb, who's had some excellent stuff out there. He also had a great uh, narrated piece for ESPN, which is worth looking up and Googling. We have something better than that now. We have hope. It, may, you know, it, it doesn't matter whether we're going to win long-term or not. We have hope now, and God damn it, right. Hope is better than complete despair. This is such a much better place to be, and we are the, the odds-on favorite in Vegas to win the championship next year. Our problems yeah. are problems, uh, first-world problems rather than the third-world mm-hmm. problems we've been dealing with for the last four years. Basketball terms. It, it is so much better at so much better. And even this finals loss, while difficult, still, what an incredible – Ned just talked about what's was his favorite team. They way overperformed. I predicted the Warriors to win this in five with a Kyrie at 80%. Mm-hmm. I, this is a good Warriors team. I didn't think we had it. We way overperformed that. Absolutely. And I, 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 don't, I don't feel any joy that I picked correctly with Warriors in six. Uh, but, uh, again, I also picked Warriors in six with Kyrie playing at 80% yeah. the whole series. You know, uh, and I think honestly, Cavs win in six if Kyrie's playing. Probably, 
Um, not for sure. I mean, look, I don't want to take away anything from Golden State. They were really, really good, and we might have lost a lot of those. You know, the, those we still might have lost some of those games. Uh, but I don't know. I think it's hard to believe that we would have lost three straight uh, without with, <laughs> if we didn't have to play Delvadova for forty minutes a game. Um, so uh, you know, before we get into to, to more specific questions about this Cavs place team in um, uh, this Cavs team and uh, its place in history. Um, I want to just quickly go back to, uh, I want to get to another letter, Maddie, another letter we received, uh, after the last mm. podcast. Yes. Um, as you recall, the last podcast we started off, we started off with the defiance. Uh, it was on the eve of an elimination game. I started the podcast off with a speech from British prime minister, Winston Churchill's from October of 1941. Never give in, never give in, never, never, never. Uh, you know, give them credit. The Cavs never did, but it wasn't enough. Uh, I, I used that speech because my, my father made me read it after I'd given up hope during a Cavs Bulls playoff game in 1992. He was so calm uh, in my moment of despair. Uh, it sort of inspired me, and it was sort of a great teachable moment. Um, but upon hearing the story, Matty, uh, you, you uh, had a reaction. Can you can you can give it to us and and tell us more? <laughs> I said, that's rich that your dad was so calm then, because I'm pretty sure I've watched him lose his mind watching a WNBA game. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, upon hearing our podcast, which my dad did listen to me and, and finally listened to the podcast, um, uh, he CC'd you on an email. <laughs> you ca care to read it, Maddie? I would love to read this email, Pat. <laughs> and I began... Okay, I listened to it today on walks and errands. Some thoughts. One, I had forgotten about the Cavs-Bulls playoff game in my, quote, teaching moment. Thanks for reminding me. Two, I don't recall ever watching a WNBA game, let alone one with Matt. But we Irish don't get mad, we get even. And now I have the name for the pedophile villain in our next novel. <laughs> oh, that's too perfect. Unreal. He goes on to praise your profanity and how much you monopolize the conversation and suggest that after, after we win the game, the next podcast yeah. shall lead with another Churchill speech. Uh, the main thing is that I am now going, I, I guess the pedophile villain in the next historical novel you write with your dad will be named Matt or maybe even Matt Youngner if he really wants to get me. Uh, or, or it might be just Youngner. He might take the last name. Oh. Uh, 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 so that no, can upset well, my entire family. Yes, exactly. Yes, just to not just, just so we can uh, 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 fully fully. <laughs> revenge, is, revenge is not best equal. Revenge is best uh, uh, topped and <laughs> and escalated. No, you got to kill the man that everyone he cares about. Yeah, exactly. You got you got to win the next fight, as Ender uh, Ender Wiggins would say. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, when the funny thing is, um, he's not killing uh, a lot of the villains in our books. Tend to tend to be sexual predators of sorts. So <laughs> probably will be. A because <laughs> what's more evil? What's more evil than than uh, you know sex crimes? I guess. Um, uh, I just I, I love you, Dad. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, so, Maddie, let's let's move on to a question. As we as we mentioned earlier, that our, our erstwhile friend Scott Fuller and I do want to give him. Uh, a, a, I don't want to give him any credit because of how uh, terrible he's been about Cleveland sports all year. Uh, but uh, uh, you know. It, it, 
I've always been impressed with his writing, and he has good questions. He has good ideas like this when he's not making terrible hot takes and then clinging to them stubbornly throughout the rest of the playoffs or rest of the year. Um, he he. Let's be honest. He so has no he has idea no what idea. He's talking about. He has no frame of reference. He's like a child wandering into the middle of a conversation. Correct. Um, <laughs> a stubborn, thick-headed, yeah. jaundiced child. <laughs> he uh, asks us to compare. Uh, uh, to previous um, uh, Cleveland teams, not, not just Cavs teams, but like all all Cleveland teams, right? Um, and I think there's, I, I think let's before we get, I, I want you and I, Maddie, to get into this and, and to explore this. We our, our good friend and listener, uh, Ned Satman, has already said that this Cavs team is his favorite Cleveland team of all time. Uh, I believe he said Cleveland team. It wasn't just Cavs, was it? No, Cleveland, all Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland. Yeah, I agree. Um, so. Uh, uh, there are some problems with with historical comparisons to begin with, right? Different eras, uh, different uh, styles of play, different you know media environments. Same same problem with trying to compare you know um, uh, players from different generations, right? Different time uh, of your that, life when you were experiencing it too. That's a big deal. Yeah, well, that's what I get to in a second too. But uh, I think there's there's nostalgia, right? Nostalgia is a huge factor in favor of those teams you grew up rooting for. I, I you know the, the the number I wear I wore as a ultimate frisbee player was number nineteen. Uh, you know, I had a I had a long and pretty you know decent career. Um, my well long. I stopped playing when I got married. <laughs> I'm 26, 27. Yeah, I don't know um, if either of those things are true. Probably not. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but the point being, I wore number 19. Short and mediocre. Co-star. Short and mediocre. Uh, uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I... As I get older, as I get older, my, my exploits will become more uh, incredible. I you know I gave a god a goddamn internal organ to that sport, Matt Younger. What have you done? That's true. I've never lost a spleen to anything. Thank you. Um, anyway, but the point being, I wore number I wore number nineteen as a frisbee player because of Bernie Kosar in my twenties. Uh, you know, the legends kind of grow with years. But at the same time, I didn't understand football or baseball or basketball then like I do now. Mm -hmm. um, but also, teams now there's the immediacy. It's easy to place more emotional weight and connection on what just happened and still hurts. Um, and the last thing I think is interesting is uh, social media and the 24-7 media. There's so much more to read and consume. There's so much more we know about these you know, players. It's so much easier to fall in love with them um, than, than, say, in the 80s. You know, I don't know anything about you know, Richie Langhorn like I know about J.R. Smith. <laughs> right. right. You know? Yeah. Um, so, Matt, uh, do you, you want to kind of, kind of like just quickly walk through what teams are kind of uh, on the contention list uh, for favorite Cleveland sports teams of all time? Sure. So I actually have a number one that's a pretty clear number one for me. Okay. Uh, which is the 95 Indians team. Interesting. And I think it's still number one. Now, as you said, there's a lot of factors that play into that. And the, the, con the congruence of events that came together, confluence of events that came together, there is really amazing. The decades of the Indians being terrible and that being a pretty big part of our childhood. Yep. Right, going to municipal stadium with with ten thousand people in the stands, and being able to run down any foul ball that went into the stands. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's nobody there. The movie, the movie Major League, existing and being such a favorite of ours because of that history. Mm -hmm. And then having that turnaround with the opening of a new beautiful stadium. Yep. That we love, and the Indians becoming very good all of a sudden. Historically. Really really turning that around the 94 strike season where they were in contention for the playoffs and everybody was so excited. That was the first year that Jacob field opened and then yeah. that taken from us. 
just robbed. Yep. And rather than the usual Cleveland thing happen, they come back the next year, it's just this juggernaut. Such a good lineup. All-stars at almost every position. And players I love, I think Ned pushed back on that team and said there were guys that weren't likable and specifically cited Albert Bell. Albert Bell is easily my favorite player on that team. I love Albert Bell. No, absolutely. Still. Um, part of that is that I love angry black athletes, as you know, and he is, <laughs> he is sort of my prototype for that. Yep. yep. Um, but I loved all the guys on that team. Albert and, Bell, Kenny Lofton, Carlos Baerga, Manny Ramirez. Young Manny. Young Skinny, young Manny, young Jim Tomey, Sandy Alomar, Omar Vizquel we traded for, I think, that season, didn't we? Nah, he, 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 he was in, uh, I think, in 93 we got him. No, we, we got him mid years. No, no, no. We got him mid season. I'm almost positive. I'll have to look this up. But I'm pretty Definitely sure. Definitely not in ninety five. Maybe in ninety four, but maybe ninety four, the strike shortened season. That maybe when I feel like the first time I we ever joined, he joined mid season when we were at Jacobs Fields. That's why I think it was ninety four, maybe, if it was ninety five. But also El Presidente. Oh yeah. yeah. Oral Hershiser. I hate Chuck to say Nagy. Nagy. Chuck Nagy. Mason I, was, was incredible Mason. that year. Was incredible that year. Finished third in the MVP voting that year, I'm pretty sure. And Paul Shuey looked exactly like, you know, Charlie Sheen, I feel like, a little bit. He had, like, a crazy hot handlebar mustache. Or he had, he had kind of the same kind of vibe going as Ricky Vaughn, uh, you know? Yes, Ricky Vaughn had no mustache, Pat. He was clean-shaven. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, but whatever. It was this white guy who looked like trash, I guess. <laughs> At any rate, I had a fastball. That team was so much fun. Coming off what they did, they just clobbered people that year. Won 100-plus games in a strikes-shortened season. Um. I love that team. I don't know if I'll ever love anything like that again. Yeah. You know, we were 16 years old, too. That was incredible. So I think for, for all those reasons, that's my favorite Cleveland sports team of all time. That said, I think this Cavs team is number two for me. Mm-hmm. Number two. That is a hard number two for you. Okay. I, th I think so, and that's beating out the, the late 80s Cavs team. Yeah, I, 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 let, me, let me walk through some of the teams and, and, and place them for me. Uh, I mean, for, for me, for the longest time, uh, I mean, 1986, 1987 Browns. I, 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 I lumped them together because the teams didn't change that much between seasons, and I was yeah. so young that I can't, really, I can't even remember. Um, but that's what be, made me a Cleveland sports fan was those, those teams. Uh, my dad had season tickets. Um, he's had them since 1967. Uh, this was the sport he cared most about. So, of course, you know, passed on to the son, his enthusiasm. Uh, I was, you know, there for the double overtime victory against the Jets. I was there for the, you know, the drive. But also just looking back, that team was so dominant on defense. The players, Frank Minifield, Hanford Dixon, Clay Matthews, uh, Carl, uh, Big Daddy Hairston. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, well, I missed some guys. My Mike Johnson, Bobby Baker, there were so many just like monster names that like I, there's no Cleveland defense has really come close since. You know, a couple of them in the early 90s kind of got, got close, but, you know, they didn't have the offense to go with it. That was a thing. We had this plucky offense with, you know, Hall of Famer Ozzie Newsom, uh, you know, Reggie Langhorne, Webster Slaughter, uh, you know, my <laughs> sure-handed white hero, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Brian Brennan. Brian yeah, Brennan. Biner and Mac, 2,000-yard running backs, but Brian Brennan was so huge. I mean, there were so many guys, so many characters to love in that team. I've, we've never had a football team like it. So that has obviously been a stand-up for me. But, like, I didn't understand the game back then either. Um, that, that one stands up there very, very high on my list. 
Um, I, I think it's an interesting debate between the '89 cast, which had which had you know Versteeg's you know uh, holy assortment of Harper, Price, Doherty, Nance, Elo, and you know Hot Rod. We had all those guys. We still had Harper. We had made that horrible trade for Danny Ferry. Um, I, I mean, I my heart was broken watching them lose to Michael Jordan on that shot. Um, I, I I might I might put the '92 Cavs on top of it just because they got further. Um, we had some and we had some more players that I loved, like you know Terrell Brandon, Bobby mm-hmm. Fiddles. Uh, Kerr was on that team too. Um, yeah. you know, so was Ferry, but whatever. Um, but that was such a great team. Um, the '97 Tribe, by the way, don't sell them short. No, that was a a weird one, but a, a, a fun one. Uh, Marquise Grissom instead of Lofton. Uh, mm-hmm. Matt Williams instead of Albert Bell. We had the Alomar brothers. Right, didn't we? No, 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 Roberto. No, not yet, not yet. You're right, not yet. That was 98. That was 98. We're still at San Diego. But Jarrett Wright coming out of nowhere. Um, the High Sox. Yeah. Like, you know, remember they they, they, they wore the High Sox on Jim Tommy's birthday, had like eight runs in the inning and just went crazy. Uh, there, was a, there was a game in the World Series they played during, during a snow flurry. Yeah. Like one. I mean, that was such a crazy, crazy team. I love that team so much. I, it's funny. I actually put them over 95. For me, under the tribe ranking, only because I remember having the stupid thought. This is the stupid, you know. Yeah, I wasn't seasoned enough. You, you, you would think the drive, the fumble, and the shot would have seasoned me enough. But '95, I remember thinking after they lost, you know what? It's the first time this team was good. You know, oh, we thought they're going to have some. Yeah, forever. I'm like, it's, it's good that they have some some heartbreak first. It'll make it feel so much better when we win because we're going to win. You know, and you just you just you know. Not, now I know better. But 97 came out of nowhere. After 96, the heartbreak of 96, I thought, not, you know, and we were playing so poorly in 97, I thought, you know, we're screwed. We're done. You know, Albert Bell's gone. You know, I just – Often it traded. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, they just caught fire. And that's the fun thing about baseball. You know, as long as, as, long as your team is hanging around 500, there's a reason to keep watching. Because yeah. all I have to do – all I have to do is get, catch fire at the end of the year, and they can win the World Series. <laughs> that's, that's how baseball runs. Do you remember um, Chad OJ from that team, Pat? Yeah, I was supposed to Chad OJ. I forgot about Chad OJ. He, he I think he would have been MVP if we had won the World yeah. Series. Didn't he have like he two huge. RBI doubles? Didn't yeah. he have two RBI doubles? And, and that's I think he won two games and was huge at the plate. It was crazy. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. Um, two other teams I want to put into consideration. I think the 07 Cavs belong on any all-time team list because we made the finals for the first time in franchise history. That was also a very bizarre, likable team. You had LeBron. You had Z, Big Z. I mean, I, I – I had a few happier moments of watching LeBron and Z hug um, after they won the Eastern Conference Finals uh, as a yeah. fan. Yeah. Uh, we had Verjao. We had Booby, who I always uh, love as a player. Um, you know, yeah, we had Larry Hughes. You know, and I wouldn't, wouldn't say that's <laughs> that's not that's not a, not a mark in the positive. Uh, Eric Snow who, and Ira Newble, who were like two of like the most like I've never seen players be so effective. And be so terrible at the game of basketball, <laughs> from, from from almost every aspect except their defense. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Marshall, Sasha Pavlovich, uh, uh, Drew Gooden, who's still playing uh, NBA. He start. He was starting uh, was for us. Starting. That's right. He was starting for us. Exactly. Uh, we made offense out of um, fifteen foot jumpers from him. Pick and pop fifteen foot baseline jumpers. It was crazy. Um, so that team definitely is up there. And also, I still think 2007 Tribe belongs in the conversation. Yeah, they would have won the um, World Series if they hadn't blown that. They would have won the World Series if they hadn't blown a 3-1 series lead. Um, that was a fun also, team. 
that I've never had a, a team of guys that were that likable. Yeah. yeah. They were all good dudes. Victor Martinez, Jahani, uh, Grady Sizemore, Pronk, Lofton. Lofton came back for that season. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. CeCe, Fausto, as he was called then. Uh, Paul Burr with the double clutch, old mm. school pitching. Raphael Betancourt just throwing straight fastballs on the outside corner. Uh, w- winning games despite a closer whose nickname was Blosevsky. That was a fun team. Um, yeah. So, anyways, uh, th- those are all the teams to me that I think. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Matt, Interestingly, not on your list is the '66 and whatever we won the next year '62 when the uh, the '08, '09, '09, '10 Cavs teams that were world beaters and playing. Yeah. Out. Yeah. I didn't put them on because, honestly, I think I probably put these teams ahead of them only because the way they lost was so crushingly disappointing. It, it didn't give you know, it, – it's a different feeling for a Cavs fan, I feel like, when you're expecting to do well. It's like the 96 Tribe team wasn't on my list, even though they were great most almost almost all year, right? Because uh, we just choked so spectacularly in 96, they, they wouldn't be on my list. Would they, be on, would they be on your list? No. I mean, there's the defiance of this team was better than everyone gave us credit for. They kept, like, just dumping on that team after LeBron left. And I thought that was bullshit. Um, but I had a hard time loving them because they had some flaws and they never overcame them. And we had the expectation of making the finals. Like, anything less than the finals was, was a, a disappointment and a failure. And so that's well, what it was. Except I don't think – I think that's uh... – I think you're seeing that in retrospect now. Coming into the 08-09 season, we'd fought the Celtics pretty well in the semifinals the year before, but expectations weren't that high. Um, what do we really add? Mo Williams, Delonte, Wally Zerbiak. <laughs> Wally! Ben Wallace. Uh, and that team was awesome that year. They were so good, man. I know it's it's all a bad taste in our mouths, and it's all sort of been ruined by how they lost and then how LeBron left. But those teams were incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I agree. They're definitely up there, but for me, they're probably eight and nine if we're going to do a top ten, right? Okay. Um, or actually, no, sorry, I agree. It's how they. It's it's what happened matters. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Actually, they would be nine and ten. They they would round out my top ten. Uh, I I say that because I'm 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 pushing this year's Cavs uh, into the top ten, so that would be. All right, 10 teams. Um, so for me, Maddie, um, you know, for the longest time, the, the 86, 87 Browns have been, have been my, my touchstone, my, my, my North Star uh, for Cleveland sports teams. Um, I'm going to side with Ned. Uh, this Cavs team is now my favorite team of all time. Um, just because of the way they personified the experience of being a Cleveland fan. Mm-hmm. They captured every storyline, and the fact the way that the way that LeBron, as I said earlier, kind of personified the Cavs fan. What he was experiencing, we all experienced, you know, in a way that never had happened before. It's it's, which is strange for me because because the Browns, I, I'm always been a Browns, Cavs, then Tribe fan. If I had to rank my 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 emotions, you've always been more mm-hmm. of Cavs, Browns, Tribe. I feel like, or maybe Cavs, Tribe, Browns. I'm not sure. Cavs, Tribe, Browns. Yeah. Yeah. So we're we're sort of opposite in that, um, but uh, this Cavs team is too, too compelling, uh, um, and maybe the distance, the time distance, also matters here. But they're the number one in my hearts now for what they did this season and what they could have been, the potential too on top of that. You know, like I think that that factors into it. No, it was um, an awesome run, man. Yeah, it was a it was a beautiful run, and 
um yeah uh, uh as uh <laughs> let me play uh i, I think uh, i think gene hackman who just can sum up how I, how I feel about this team can he <laughs> i don't know if you could hear that <laughs> i could but, not. uh no well he said i love you guys he's whispering too hard but <laughs> i love you guys that's his post-game, his pre-game speech for the championship game. He just looks at all of them in the eyes and just says, "I love you guys." That's that's sort of how I feel about these guys. Um, all right, Maddie, uh, uh, we we are indulging to the extreme. Uh, uh, clearly, uh, I, I challenge you before this podcast that if you don't want me to monopolize conversation and talk for eighty percent of the it's podcast, hard. it's hard, right? It's hard to you stop you. You got to interrupt me. You got to jump in and t- tell me. You got to be more forceful. T- just put me in my place. Tell me to stop talking. All right, Pat. Let's move um, on to the next topic. Yes, thank you. Good. That's what I need from you. Uh, let's let's briefly before we move on to the off season. I want to spend. Uh, uh, you know, we're already almost an hour, we're like fifty minutes into this podcast, and I want to spend a lot of time on the off season. So let's move quickly through let's some, some minutes, NBA yeah. finals. NBA finals fallout. Yeah, let's move quickly through this stuff. Uh, speed round, lightning round, Maddie. Uh, uh, let's start with what the ref. Oh goddamn it. What? What the ref in that last game? I, to me, I call it like there's like there's like there's like new you know they say Michael the, the Jordan rules uh, yeah. on uh, calls. It's not the exact opposite. It's Mozgov and LeBron rules. LeBron rules, which normally a foul isn't a foul driving the basket if LeBron is being hit. Yeah, because he's so big. Likewise, you know one way if if we have one advantage, we had one advantage in this series, Maddie, which was the, the height advantage, Size. right? Size. Size. Yeah. You, you know a way to eliminate the, that that single advantage that you have. I think it's let the Warriors hack as much as they want inside and don't call a thing. Yeah, and, and he would fumble the ball. Usually, like, they hack whatever, and then he, it's a turnover. They go, okay, well, now it's a foul. You know, all right, fine, yeah, now I'll call it. And, and I get that. I get the letting them play, but if it leads to a turnover, you know, you don't reward the foul. But they rewarded yeah. the foul constantly. I mean, I feel like at least three turnovers from Mozgov in the paint were just huge hacks across both arms. They were allowed they to do whatever they wanted. Him, the one that I mentioned to you that made me so mad was a momentum changer in game six. Cavs had cut it to seven. Warriors come down. I think Thompson misses a jump shot. And Draymond Green pokes out the offensive rebound to Curry with its a three. Yep. And on the replay, you can very clearly show Mozgov getting ready to grab the board and Draymond Green just hanging all over his right arm, preventing him from putting his arm up to grab it. That yeah. stuff is going on constantly. We've, we've gone over ad nauseum, moving picks, picks. Yeah, just continued, just continued, continued unabated. The guy I recommend following on this stuff with the refs is Haralabab Bulgaris. Well, I'm doing this right now. Who? Uh, how do you spell it? Haralabab. H a r a l a. Haralabab. H a r a l a b o b. Goes by Bob. Ah, uh, got Haralabos Her- 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 Vulgaris. Yeah, he uh, he's a professional gambler. He gambles on, uh, he's a professional gambler. He gambles on, on the NBA. The NBA. And uh, awesome. And he uh, is a really good critic of the refs. Added, added. A pretty, a pretty straight shooter and pretty objective. If you're looking for somebody to just give you an honest evaluation of what's going on in a game. Although yeah. sometimes he has money on the game. Money on the loop is objectivity. That right, right. Um, but he was great. So, for instance, from our perspective, Matt, he called out that that moving pick by Iguodala that Schumpert got called. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that, that is unbelievable. Like, it's gotten this is how this is this is how egregious the illegal picks have gotten. It's now illegal to fight through an illegal screen. Yeah, <laughs> just fucking unreal. Unreal. 
He's oh, a straight shooter about that, and he knows all the refs. Where he's just like, this guy's terrible. Terrible. So Crawford, he knows. Foster, he knows. Oh my God, those guys are just the worst. It's un fucking believable. Yeah, he's a good follow for that. Some interesting stuff on strategy too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, next. Next up, let's do a quick visit to the kill list. Uh, uh, Draymond Green is the top of my kill list a thousand times. With uh, a bullet. If I can put him a thousand, I, I, I can put a thousand places ahead of anybody else. Yeah. Uh, especially, especially for, uh, as you may have heard, um, he at the uh, Golden State celebration on Friday, uh, on top of him being a buster, right? On top of him being a phony, tough guy who isn't actually tough, just no. screams a lot and brags a lot when things go well and gets real awful quiet when he starts being terrible. Yeah. Uh, and one small thing goes right for him and he just acts like he just, you know, uh, uh, you know, is the champion of the world. Um, he uh, drunkenly ripped the Cavaliers unprompted at the celebration. Uh, I mean, I, on the one hand, you can, you can say there's some humor value in here that he was like really drunk and watching Clay Thompson get really uncomfortable standing near him as he's, you know, ripping on the Cavs unprompted. Cavs? Uh, Suck. Suck. They make it here. Nope. Uh, just weird. And they just wandered off stage. Um, class act. Uh, class act. It's a good thing. It's, it's, it's good that Golden State's uh, really handling this winning thing well. Yeah. Uh, uh, boy, they certainly go into my into the into the next season as the number one hated team on my list. And also, oh, for sure. Can 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 we drop the Cinderella like you know uh, uh, media uh, public blowjob of this team of like how wonderful what a happy story they are? Can we I'll just say that they're they're kind of a bunch of assholes. They're a really yeah. unlikable team now that they've won for sure. I mean they were unlikable beforehand if you're paying attention. Uh, now that they've won, I, I kind of am hoping we can finally get over this uh, 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 joy fest we have with this team of really unlikable assholes. Um, you know, with the exception of, I'm trying to guys that I think are really good that I respect. I mean, Iguodala, Livingston, I Iguodala. Livingston, Livingston for sure. Iguodala, uh, by the way, who uh, got, you know, was on the floor for like five minutes there, during game six because he got really hurt. I didn't see him making jokes about pretending to be hurt after that. No. Um, so that kind of still knocked him down. Livingston's probably the most respectful guy. Uh, I don't know. It's hard. I, I don't have anything with that. But let, let's uh, let's move on quickly to I think the, probably the most important storyline that came out of the finals is the David Blatt storyline. Um, Matt, give me uh, just a recap. Uh, uh, he's been criticized at the end of the season for not playing uh, Matrix enough, for not playing uh, at all, for not playing uh, Mozgov enough, even though Mozgov was just getting obliterated because we could we were giving them practice shots because he really couldn't even keep within 10 feet of them. Um, and that was the best we could do with the roster we had. Uh, and then on top of that, uh, a Mark Stein article came out, um, I think two days ago, yesterday maybe, uh, detailing how uh, LeBron was disrespectful to Blatt throughout the uh, uh, postseason and the finals. And look, Mark Stein's a really respected reporter. I don't d doubt what he saw at all. I, I quibble with the moral interpretation he took on it. Well, but Maddie, Maddie, what's your take on this whole thing? I have another big issue with Stein, which is it feels like when the refs call a foul after they watch the ball and not go into the basket. Into the basket. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. So I have a sneaking suspicion that if the Cavs had won this series, that article would not have appeared. And nope. in fact, a version of it would have come out that would have been like, 
what, what an amazing coach what an ability to find a partnership, find a partnership with LeBron where LeBron can criticize him, make his voice heard, and that's a court and it's all a system that works together and that's able to assume his ego and do all this crap. And it just and felt, it just felt so disingenuous. If you felt that way, I didn't see Mark. I didn't see Mark tweet any of that. Any of that. Never. Not once. Not once during the series. Not one word about it. And then it comes out. It just felt. It just felt cheap. Cheap, disingenuous, and beneath him. Beneath him. Yeah, and I, I again, I still, but I think the moralizing he put on top of that. I wouldn't say he wasn't a moral scold. That's exactly what he was. He was calling him out yeah. for unprofessional behavior. Uh, which I mean, I'm sorry. You know, I, I, I'm not on the sidelines. I wasn't on the sidelines to watch the interactions. I haven't seen video of it. I wasn't on the sidelines for the interaction between Kobe and Phil Jackson, Mike, Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson. Any great player who is an alpha dog uh, and their coach, um, I, I have a hard time believing that Michael Jordan didn't overrule shit uh, as 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 imperiously as LeBron did. Uh, yeah. He relates better to Ty Lue because Ty Lue is a player. I get that's why he has a connection with the players. But everything I've seen from LeBron, I keep saying, you know, where's the public you know, uh, uh, endorsement? He publicly endorsed him like several times in the finals yeah. by name. Yes, yes, he and the players frequently say, our coaching staff, our coaching staff, our coaching staff. I, I think that's coming from Blatt too. You know, yeah. Blatt does nothing but praises, praises fellow coaches, praising Ty Lue and, and defending him when he was taking heat for trying to undermine Blatt. Um, and then more importantly, I forget who, who, who pointed this out, um, but bottom line, they, they, they fucking wonder together. Who gives a shit if they are treating each other well or not? Yeah. yeah. You know, the, the Yankees, like, dynasty of the 70s, like, was famously hated each other, right? And I don't even think this is, I guess, even remotely close to that level of, of, of angst and, and uh, uh, disagreement or, or even lack no, of respect. No, they're I, just, I, not I buddies. Clearly, just not buddies. Yeah. There's clearly respect there. There's disagreement. And Blatt is a smart coach who says, all right, LeBron's telling me he doesn't want this play. I'll write him something else up. Yeah, you know, he's not. Yeah, and I think that's the smart move as a coach. I don't think you say, "No, LeBron, I'm the coach. You're the player. Do the No, you don't do that. No coach should do that. I don't even think Pop should really do that, honestly. No, this um, feels like a whole lot of nothing to me. And the yeah. conference, the press conference with Griffin and Blatt two days ago suggests the same. Yeah, and God bless Griffin, who's yeah. just, by the way, we haven't talked. We haven't talked about him a lot much in this podcast, but the whole reason we're having this kind of a podcast, honestly. Because we even said, like, we'll do the podcast. The Cavs kind of, you know, are able to close it out against the Bulls. You know, then, then there'll be something to talk about. We'll, we'll do this. He's kind of the whole reason, one of the biggest reasons we are doing a podcast. We barely talk about him. He, he built this team. I mean, yes, it started with LeBron coming home, but then he did everything else. And honestly, LeBron coming home would have been a sad ending if he hadn't made that Dion trade. Um, so I, I've loved how he's defended guys, uh, how frank he is. He feels like someone that I just can relate to. The yeah. way he talks about the Cavs, he's a real fan. He's 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 a great guy, and and frankly got got kind of robbed uh, for uh, executive of the year. Uh, who won? It was the was it the Hawks guy? Danny who won Ferry. Executive of the year? Not Danny Ferry. Oh yeah, it wouldn't have been Danny Ferry. It would have been what was it? Who was it? Who won? Uh, I think it was Golden State. Golden State. Golden State. Yeah, which again is sort of not really like. I mean, they didn't really change players that much. They had a good coach. <laughs> It's yeah. sort of like almost. It's almost like uh, backwards. It probably should have been Stuart Kerr that won the co coach of the year, and uh, uh, Atlanta Hawks that won the. Uh... Anyway, either way, he got robbed uh, because of the LeBron factor. Um, he's been fantastic all year. All right, Maddie, we are an hour into the podcast. I want to add one thing very quickly, Pat. 
Go ahead. You can always just a little callback to little callback to the kill list. Um, I think Zach Zach Lowe kept making this point. Um, Zach Lowe kept making this point um, that that there's there's no asterisk on this championship, right? And there's no real asterisks historically, right? Once the team wins, they won, and everybody sort of credits them with that. Um, that may be true. But this Warriors team had a chance in a lot of people's estimations to go down as one of the greatest teams of all time. And I think that ship sailed in this finals. Gone. Gone. Right? Right. Yep. 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 I mean, they, 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 I don't think it's not salvageable for them. I think, honestly, if they were to actually repeat next year somehow, uh, that would burnish their first you know, title run. It would validate sure. it a little bit. Agreed. Uh, I, I think we can say that they don't deserve an asterisk. This is this was clearly the best team, uh, given our injuries certainly at this point. Uh, and you can't you cannot blame Golden State for for beating teams with injuries. That's what they're supposed to do, right? And mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. they won three straight and, to close out the series. So you know they, even though it was a six game series and it should have been probably a sweep, uh, you know they still won. Uh, uh, all that being said, uh, you know. Uh, Golden State, I think, kind of does still have an asterisk. Like, I agree they shouldn't have one, but they do. This, yeah. The bottom line is they, they do. It's there. Uh, it's not fair that it's there. I, I think this. I think it's not fair that they have an asterisk, but it will I think be. it is fair. Um, it is fair. <laughs> fair. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I, I don't think they deserve it, uh, but I'm fine feeling it. And, and, and also, it, I mean, it's true. Not, nevertheless, regardless of whether they deserve it or not, the point is it is there because they beat a team that was missing uh, two of his top three players. Uh, and you know if you try and put the same – Struggled to them, beat a team. Yeah. Put it this way. Struggled to beat a team, a team that they would not have beaten with those two guys out if they had been missing uh, uh, Clay Thompson and Iguodala. Right? Or whatever. T- take any two of, the, two of the top three Thompson players. Thompson and Green. Take Thompson and Green out. Take Thompson and Green out. They don't, be, they don't win that series. No. Take any None combination close. of those. Take any, keep Curry, their best player. Just like we have best our best player, LeBron, and take any two players off that roster. Well, not any two, but <laughs> any two of their top five, honestly. And they don't win that series. Yeah. I, I think that's that's pretty fair to say. Um, it would have been whether whether we with our full squad would have won that series. I think we would have, but I don't think that's a foregone conclusion. I don't think you can say for sure we would have won that series, but um, I think we probably would have. Um, it's hard to argue against that. Okay. Um, Maddie, if if you are done, let's 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 turn the yeah, page. Let's, move. Ready? let's turn the page. The season, 2014-2015, LeBron's coming home season. He's home now. He's firmly home now. It's in the books. Let's talk about this offseason. Uh, no chance it can be anywhere nearly as entertaining as the <laughs> last year's offseason. I sort of hope insane. it's not. Yeah. Uh, but uh, um, in many ways, this is crucial um, because uh, – you know, we have a real chance to fill some holes here. Uh, even though you might think, holy shit, we have to re-sign like everybody and we're going to be over the cap like crazy. How are we going to do it? Um, let's go through a bit by bit. Matt, let's start with the draft, which is coming up uh, next week. It's coming up fast. Thursday. 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 Um, before we even talk about if there's anyone you're looking at, because neither of us had had time. I think no cast fans except for, you know, the professionals at WFNY and Fear the Sword and, and Cavs the Blog have had time to really investigate who might be available at the 24th pick in the draft. Um, what do you want to do with that pick? We can't, we can't trade it per se, right? 
because we already traded uh, either next year's pick, I think. So That's the right. Stepien rules. Right. Stepien rules, name for the Cavs uh, owner. Stepien. 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 I always say Stepien, but that's what I do. Yeah. I mispronounce things. You're a man. Um, the Stepien rules, uh, uh, we can't trade the pick, but we can trade it after we make the pick. So we can make these sort of uh, 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 you know, handshake deals or whatever. I, I don't know how the rules work, whether we can do it in writing, but we can basically agree to pick a player for another team. So in, right. in essence, we can still trade it. We can still trade the pick, uh, but it might get scuttled by who's available kind of thing. So what do you want to do with this pick, Matt? Do you want to trade it or keep it? I'm sort of mixed here. I, the trade depends on what we get for it. There's right. certainly value in locking up somebody relatively cheap, mm-hmm. um, especially if we think we can get a, a the guy kind of guy I'm thinking about is ready to play right away, which means a three or four year college player. Mm-hmm. Uh, ideally, somebody that I think a wing, think a wing, decent three point shooter. Good defense, Multiple good positions. athletes, good athlete, all, that yep. stuff. all that stuff. I don't know who that is because we haven't been following it closely oh, enough. Right. The only thing is, the I, only thing is I, I can't remember exactly what first round salaries, salaries are, but they're not quite as cheap as we might like them to be. Like a million, yeah. Even a little more than that, I think. Yeah, it's just just over a million a year, which is which which with our cap cap situation is 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 not nothing. Right. That's really three million a year, four million a year with penalties. Um, right. um, so still, though, so we need to add cheap talent where we can, and the draft is certainly the way to do that. That said, if we can yep. package it, we can package as the rumors are saying, the rumors are saying the Haywood contract, Haywood contract, and get somebody that we are more confident can help right away. I think I'm in favor of that. Right. Um, yeah, I, I would not be opposed to it. I'm, I'm happy I was doing anything with this pick. Um, and I, and I, uh, I hate to say I, I implicitly trust Griffin because I once said that about, uh, about Grant too. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I kind of trust him to make the right call in terms of value versus cap space. Because, yeah, as you said, it's not, um, it's not great. It's not, it's not a cheap contract. It's not a, a league veteran minimum. But one of our biggest holes, we have two big holes, right, on the roster, um, which is another guard. Uh, not not to replace Delhi outright, but you you know you like him you know Delhi to, to be a luxury third option who will probably still get playing time even with even if, even if he was third string I think he'd still get playing time um, just to give Kyrie more rest right um, but uh, uh, you also need somebody a, a defensive wing who can hit the three to sort of spell LeBron and play in that like three four yep. kind of role to be able to to mix and match to be able to match up against uh, their guys. So I like the idea of drafting a guy like that because there's a couple of decent guys. Uh, I just did some very you know crash research before we started the podcast on guys who might be available at that spot. Um, and I like the idea of getting a guy like that because you got them locked in. At, still, it's a very favorable rookie contract, right? Um, and and yeah, depending on what you do with the rest of the guys, it, it might be a real long-term solution, whereas I just don't see that out there in free agency, but I also haven't done the research on free agency to, to, to tell myself you know, there's no Tabo Cephalosha-like guy that we can get through trade, I feel like. That I'm aware of, but you know, that's why I'm not a GM. But yeah, if we got somebody like you know of that caliber starting right now, start up starting worthy who can play all those fill all those roles, absolutely sign him up right now. I want him right. Uh, but if we can't find that, I'm totally happy with us drafting someone and and names to look out for. I think Maddie just just scanning through Fear of the Swords, excellent uh, sort of review of this stuff. Um, I think Jonathan Holmes might be the guy. He's a forward from Texas. 
Uh, he can play, you know, the three and the four. He only hit 33% of threes, um, but, you know, that's not terrible. And if you get him to focus on that stuff, he seems like he has a good shot mechanics in general from what I'm reading. And there's a good chance he improves upon that and gets to be like a 37% three-point shooter, which is great. It's what we need. If he can play good defense, which he's mainly known for. Otherwise, Justin Anderson is better shooter, but not quite as good um, on defense. Uh, he's a small forward from Virginia. Um, the other guy that might be out of our range is Rondé Hollis Jefferson from Arizona. He is awesome on defense. Yeah, uh, that's what I've seen. But terrible shooter, like really bad shooter. Um, I mean, not, not you know, not like Tristan Thompson bad, but um, but you know, you can't count on him being being a reliable three point shooter. Um, it's almost like the, there's a it's the Goldilocks thing here, right? Uh, Rondé is the best on defense, terrible shooter. Justin's the best on offense, but you know, not great defense. Jonathan Holmes is somewhere in between. So those are three names to look for if we end up keeping the pick. Um, I think if we pick one of those three guys, it's likely that we're going to keep them. Um, because I bet we're picking something. We're we're picking another pair for somebody else if we're going to trade that pick. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let's move on to the salary cap situation. Uh, you know, it's hard. It's confusing. Um, you and I were talking about places to go. Um, WFNY has a fantastic piece um, from Jacob Rosen, which breaks down uh, everything you need to know about the Cavs and future salaries in the salary cap situation. There's also a good piece that you point out to me in um, on Cavs the blog. It's currently the first entry right now by Nate Smith, uh, the road forward. Um, that's a worth worthwhile read. Um, but, uh, you know, tr- the thing is, it's weird. We're almost certainly going to be paying a, a, a near-record tax bill next year. Yes. Um, because we're going to try and re-sign everybody, uh, which is what, you know, they seem to be saying. And uh, I think it's what we should be doing. We'll talk about the details of that uh, bit by bit. Um, but, uh, the reason why we can do that next year, uh, is, uh, uh, the year after the huge salary cap jump means we won't be that, that far over the salary cap. Most likely, uh, mm-hmm. might even be close and might even with a few creative moves, be able to get under the salary cap if we, if we want to re- avoid the uh, triple repeater tax. Although I'm not sure how we missed that. Cause I think we counted it again. We paid the tax this year by a little bit. Did we? And if we? I, I read that somewhere. I think I think in this piece uh, uh, from WFNY that we kind of actually technically cost uh, uh, went a little bit over the salary cap. But if we didn't, then we have you can go over the cap and not be in the luxury tax, though. Oh, okay, that's what it is. Okay, so we're in the tax, not the luxury tax. Next year we'll be in the luxury tax, so we can do it two years in a row. What you want to avoid is that third year in a row, because then like like you just get hamstrung. You get less money you can offer to free agents. You get uh, it just makes much more difficult to make adjustments to your team, um, and we'll be in danger zone there. So I think Griffin's whole strategy has to be spend the and this was great about having an owner like Dan Gilbert spend the shit out of whatever you want. So don't worry about too much contracts over the next two years. I think, that's, I think Matt, that's the message I think for our listeners, right? Don't worry too much about huge numbers in the next two years on contracts, right? We can pay that and afford that shit now. It's the third year that the hopefully we can negotiate the numbers to be at a range that will get us under the cap uh, in the what season, right? Um, the 2017 season. Yeah. If we can get under the cap that year, we avoid the repeater tax and we maintain flexibility uh, going forward. So that's the thing to think about, I think, going forward. Any other thoughts about the salary cap? Uh I am once again very thankful that we seem to have an owner that's willing to spend money. That's willing to spend money. Yeah, makes everything possible. Um, 
All right, I'm, I promise I'm going to stop talking so much. I'm going to cede the floor to you on the Kevin Love issue, right? Let's start off. You know, you know, the questions are, do you offer the max? Duh. Um, but still, to explain why uh, and what kind of you know deal do you offer? Um, talk about the obstacles of the obstacles to the sign trade, um, and whether whether we might be better off trading him somehow for uh, uh, several elite role players as opposed to one uh, ball dominant uh, 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 big three. Sure. So it seems to me like there's three, four options with Love, right? One is he opts into his contract, and we have him next year, next year, one more year. Mm -hmm. That seems unlikely, unlikely, according to everything that I've read. Everything that I've read. Me too. Um, so if he doesn't do that, then he opts out. And and he, he could conceivably do what LeBron did this year, which is sign a one-year, second-year player option, player option, and just essentially punt this year and make the decision next year when the salary cap is supposed to be higher. Yeah, I think that is the most likely uh, outcome, but but not not at all pre uh, preordained. But go right. ahead. Uh, and then there is the we sign him to the he opts out and we sign him to a max contract. Yeah. Uh, with the addendum there that it's possible that that could be a sign next trade. Mm-hmm. Although I thought we were limited to an extent um, to uh, uh, on sign trade deals, but maybe that's my misunderstanding of. of no, I think I think we all are sort of limited there. I'm not quite 100 percent sure how that stuff works, but I think it's. I don't think those are off the table. Because mm -hmm. uh, you hear a lot of chatter of the Kevin Love sign trade for Lamarcus Aldridge, which I don't think that um, Portland would do. But <laughs> I don't think uh, that seems fantastical to me. Yeah, me too. I don't think he decides uh, into that. I mean, what's tough about a sign-in trade for us is Love would obviously have a lot of influence over where he would get traded. Yeah, exactly. And that limits the packages that we could get in return. So rather than going out and finding what the market thinks he's worth, like conceivably we would be doing with the Haywood contract. Right. We're just we're limited to whatever it is, three or four teams, the Lakers, mm -hmm. Houston, I, whatever. I don't know where he really wants to go. Right. Well, that's, um, that, 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 that's, a, that's the other appeal to, to Portland, everyone says, because he's close to home. Right. Right. But I still think that's not like – I don't think that's a realistic uh, scenario. No, I, I – I, he really dug himself a hole with saying that he wanted to come back to Cleveland towards the end of the season. Yeah. I don't think he did yeah. that and didn't I mean it. I know – Zach Lowe's and Zach other sports writers are telling us not to believe anything that we hear there, but he really went far in that direction to walk he, it back now. He certainly went further than he needed to. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And I am not freaked out by him wearing a Yankees cap at the game. No, no, neither am I. Yeah. That means nothing. Agreed. So I think I agree with you. I think the most likely is an opt-out and a sign-in for one year with a player option and then – Bank it. The reason he wouldn't do that, I guess, is that he's just worried about his own health. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I think that's that, that. That's why I don't rule out uh, him signing a max deal right now. Uh, I think in many ways that would be smart for him. You know, yeah, you're leaving money on the table, but you know, you gotta be worried about injury again. At the same time, I think it's still smart. The smartest move for him, if I was him, I would I would sign a one year deal and and, and cash in uh, next year. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, the did, last question about do we sign him versus uh, yeah. a bunch of smaller pieces? Yeah, I get what I get what um, 
what Lo was saying there, right? But I think that right. stocks are still so valuable mm -hmm. in the NBA that it is worth hanging on to them versus those other pieces, especially because I don't know exactly what those other pieces would be. Yeah, and let's and let's not overreact to the to the uh, uh, part of this is an overreaction to the Golden State model, and that happens every year, right? When the, the uh, when the, the whoever wins the championship is the new model, right? Everyone tries to copy them, and frankly, while you know Golden State didn't have a lot of like huge stars after Clay Thompson and Curry, um, you know they also got really lucky. <laughs> you know the asterisk uh, plays in here; uh, they didn't they didn't beat a star-studded team, right? And, and all also, they're in a very unique situation where they're paying their best player peanuts. Yeah, exactly. Because of his balky ankles from early in his career, um, they're paying him what? What? Sixty percent of what he should be making. He has like ten million, I think, right now. Yeah. Right? It's crazy. Right. Someone's about, <laughs> about to get that kind of money. <laughs> right. It's a. It's a yeah. Um, if we had to trade him though, if we had to make a deal for him somehow, what kind of deals would you look at? Our, our friend, uh, uh, Dave, Dave Deming, uh, had a suggestion. What was the suggestion again? Do you have it in front of you? It was to Houston with a Reza as the big piece and then some combination of other salaries that that's monthly units. We'd have to see what, what would work. Yeah. I'm trying to see if I can find it here. Um, I don't think that's a terrible, terrible. No, I mean, I, it's not, I, I would rather have love. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, he said, he said, what if the Rockets offered Ariza and another piece like Beverly, Donatus, uh, Terrence Jones, and a sign trade? He, said, you know, he says, I'm doing that deal. Ariza fits this team perfectly, and the salaries come close to working. It's true. Ariza does fill that role of, of, of uh, plug-in defender who can defend multiple positions and also knock down threes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I just don't like Ariza as a player. I don't know why. I just I, I don't trust him as a, I don't trust him as a three point shooter, even though he's been kind of pretty consistent the last couple of years of being able to hit them. Been but very good. I just, he just I just never get I'm never afraid of him. So I, that, that's sort of my my unanalytical. Un, un, un I just don't like him <laughs> uh, <laughs> attitude. But I, but I I recognize on paper uh, uh, through pure reason that makes that, that that does make sense as a deal. But again, would you would you would you would you rather have love? I would rather have. Rather have, yeah. I think I would too, because I also think I also think we're trading him now. We're making this deal right now with how he played last year, and I think part of that was scheme. Part of that was us not using him properly, as everyone says. And I think one that changes a little bit in year two, and two, I think he also plays better. I think he, I think he has been hurt all, all year. He was hurt all year. I don't think he was playing one hundred percent. I think we're about to see like, oh shit, this is the guy. Boy, we were shitting on him and uh, really shouldn't have been because I feel like he is. I feel like he's got a better chance to thrive in this LeBron and Kyrie dominant system than uh, Bosch ever did, because uh, Bosch only late, you know, late in his career, uh, late in his uh, Heat tenure, uh, developed those um, those that three point range. He's, he's, st he's still not good, as good a three point shooter as Love is. No, so uh, I I am super excited to have Love back um, and to start uh, shutting the fuck up. Uh, I, I apologize, sanity. Uh, shutting up the uh, the the naysayers <laughs> who have been talking about love uh, not fitting with the Cavs and us wasting him and yada 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 yada. Yeah, agreed. Um, agreed. Let's talk about the Haywood contract, Maddie. Unless you want anything else you want to say about Kevin Love before we move on? No, let's keep going. The Haywood contract is a big deal. Um, 
you know, there's two options, right? We can trade it uh, uh, to a team that, that wants cap relief, or we can use it for cap relief ourselves because we are, you know, up against the cap relief uh, uh, this year. Um, what what do you what do you think about that decision, and what kind of players do you think we can get for it? So we 100% should trade it, trade it. Mm -hmm. because of the the escalator in it. I don't think it the relief means as much to us as it would to somebody else. Like it escalates to 10 million that you can then cut off your books, but mm -hmm. that wouldn't allow us to add any pieces. Mm -hmm. um, and also, and on top of that, Maddie, it doesn't matter that we're going over the over the uh, we're uh, over anyway. cap this year. We're over we're anyways. Waiting. One, two, uh, we have an owner that's willing to spend this year, and three, we don't have to really worry about getting under the cap until uh, uh, three years from now in seventeen. Right. So just remember that. Yeah. Go ahead. So I think trading it gives us the most value. The most value. Mm -hmm. And we are looking for a team that is interested in cutting salary. And a player that is probably overpaid right now, right now. Mm -hmm. um, but is a good player, right? So that, like, if you don't look at, the, you don't, look don't at the, worry about the contract. Worry you look at him on the team. Him on the team, right? And we can eat that salary. We have the salary. We have the, the space and and willingness to do so. Willingness to do so. Mm -hmm. So in that Cavs so the blog article, article, the names he rolls out are he rolls out Channing Fry, Courtney Fry, Lee, Rivas Vasquez. Jerry Jack, Jack mm -hmm. Kevin Martin, Martin, Martin Courtney, Williams, PJ Tucker, Tucker, Avery Bradley, Bradley Chandler, Chandler, OJ Mayo, Mayo mm -hmm. Eric Gordon, uh, Eric Gordon. Ooh, Eric Gordon. Nah, I don't know how I feel about him. But right, I mean that's what you're looking at though, is a guy that normally you'd be like, oh, he's, he's overpaid. overpaid. He's overpaid. And we just have to say, well, it's fine that he's overpaid. It's fine that he's he's going to bring value to us. He's going to bring value to us. Mm -hmm. And I don't have. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I don't have a particular go ahead. guy that I'm that I'm eyeing right now. And I think this is where Griffin's going to earn his money, right? Is ferreting out the best yeah. deal here, and perhaps using our pick as a little added incentive on it. Yeah, this is the fun season. This is where it becomes fun again to start following uh, uh, Cavs Twitter uh, mm -hmm. when you start seeing those crazy rumors coming in about who we might be uh, shopping. Because uh, the rumor is, guys, uh, if you haven't heard, uh, Griffin is talking about shopping uh, both Haywood, Haywood by itself, uh, the 24th pick in the NBA draft by itself, and those two together uh, to get another piece to fill that uh, uh, that guard role and that forward that 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 Swiss Army knife forward role that we're looking for, right? Mm -hmm. There's the two, the two big holes we have to fill on top of re-signing everyone. Uh, and so that's the thing to, to look for him to try and target in, in, the, uh, in this trade. Um, I mean, ideally, it'd be amazing if we could, if we could draft for one need and uh, use the Haywood co uh, contract for another or be able to, to flip them both for two players. That'd be amazing. But even if we get one of those, th those, those things, that will be a huge uh, step up. Maybe we can use our... Um, whatever our exceptions that we have left are to sign someone decent. Sure, and I think that we'll still be able to get those veterans, championship hunting guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. That were in Marion this year that didn't really work out, but still. but but worked out for um for what's his name James, uh, Jones. James Jones. James Jones. Let's talk about just briefly. I mean, James Jones, man, nice. He was doing yeah. nothing for the past two years, and all of a sudden he was way more useful than Mike Miller. Uh, and Sean Marion because he can knock down threes reliably. And more importantly, 
he was better at guarding the bigger, taller guys. He was better at pretending to be Kevin Love than Mike Miller could be, right? Yeah, although he got uh, a, to, abused on the board, I think. Of course he did. Of course he did. This is what he was pretending to be Kevin Love. You know, that, yeah. that's my point. Like, he didn't do a good job at it because he can't physically. But I thought, given who he actually is in reality, I thought he did an okay. He pretended job. okay. He pretended okay so we could have the same dynamic on the court. You know, we didn't have the same results or execution, but we still had the same, I think, floor spacing on offense. And he didn't get so punished on defense that it wasn't worth it on offense. You know what I mean? But I feel like that's what was nice about him. And that's why I give I give Vlad a lot of credit. That was against the grain move to put James Jones way ahead of Miller in the rotation. Um, and he clearly was loyal to Miller. He liked Miller a lot. He tried to, you know, he tried him in that game one against the Bulls without J.R. Smith and never never went to it again. Um, <laughs> so so good on Blatt. Um, all right, moving on from the Haywood contract. I agree. Oh, by the way, I agree with you. Uh, yeah, but not using it for cap relief. We have to trade that contract. Yeah. Um, uh, 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 the WFNY author, uh, who I've already forgot, I apologize. I'm looking it up again. Uh, Jacob, Jacob Rosen. Rosen. Jacob Rosen makes a case for sometimes just sometimes you just gotta let that thing expire. It's okay. It's still good. You know, I'm like, yeah, you're not getting nearly the bang for your buck. Um, no, you this is not the time for a story about salary cap savings. That's the point. Salary cap savings are, are meaningless this year and kind of next year, uh, yeah. unless it gets us under the cap for some reason. We have no way of getting under the cap this year. It's just not gonna happen. Next year it might. But 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 hey, with Conrad doesn't help us next year, so uh, we gotta get rid of that. Um, TT, uh, uh, you know, he was amazing this year. We joked about uh, and talked about and got you know there was some debate earlier in our podcast about um, whether he deserves a match uh, a max offer. Um, I have a question for you, Maddie. One, do we offer the max, or or two, uh, if he gets a max offer from somebody else, do you match it? Yeah, this is hard because I think we started as great as TT was against the Hawks and the Bulls. You started to see some of those weaknesses against the Warriors, right? Oh, yeah. Like you oh, cannot limitations, his limitations. You know, he's got pretty severe limitations uh, offensively, obviously, and even a little bit of uh, defensive rebounding. He tends to lose his man a little bit, and that 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 could get better, and he's still getting better. He's not a max player, though. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of that might have been exhaustion, mental exhaustion uh, from the minute load that he hadn't been playing all year. Definitely um, possible. I, because I, I, I didn't see, he just didn't seem to have the same relentless energy in the finals that I remembered seeing in the last two series. Right. Um, and part of that might have been uh, a scheming, like uh, you know, I'm not a good enough uh, <laughs> a basketball wa- watcher to be able to tell what Golden State was doing to him, uh, but they were doing something. So. Uh, you know, but still, anyway, I, I I agree, especially with the offensive limitations. He's not a max player, but what if what if what if someone offers him the max? What do you do? And so, I, for, for, sorry, I, we, you and I both agree we are, we don't we're not going to offer him the max. We try and sign him for less than the max. Yeah, absolutely. But do you match, do, do, do you match a max offer if some crazy team's off, offers it to him? Dear God, um, so I so this is going to take me on a little bit of a tangent, Pat. Go for it. But I think you do. Because of LeBron. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think we have LeBron on our rundown here, but this is a, we don't. a, this is a critical moment. So that's my tangent. This is a critical moment for him and his relationship with this team. Mm-hmm. If he is serious about being in Cleveland, and I think he is, and yeah. serious about being a leader of this team, and to this point I think he is, he cannot – screwed around this offseason and do I'm sure you've read Windhorse talking about how it's sort of passive aggressive in his approach. Mm-hmm. Just just 
like will go off off the, the radar and radar calls, and calls and sort of let the team know less about what his preferences might be. He cannot do that. Yeah, uh, he's, he's going to step up from day one and say, "This is what I'm doing. This is how I feel about these players." Recruit. Yeah, if you want to win next year, if you want to have more uh, 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 bullets in the chamber when guys start falling down, you got to right. start now. So when somebody g goes and offers him PT the max, mm -hmm. we have to be like, Jesus, is this really worth it? We need to weigh what LeBron thinks. He needs to take the call from Griffin and have that conversation. Yeah, agreed. Right? Like that is a big part of being a leader. And I don't know, I don't know, Windhorse is sort of positive and that's how he uses his power. Mm -hmm. this threat that he's going to leave or do something. He can't do that crap. He has power. He can just say what he thinks. Yeah, I agree. And I think he can use that power by telling them what he thinks, right? Yes. Uh, he and, has power. And, and I think that's different because, look, in, in 2010, he didn't know where he was going to go. He, his, his, his main focus. Well, I think, he, I think he did know where he was going to go, and that was one of the issues he didn't say anything. That's, that's that's true. That's true. So there was no, there was no, there was nothing in it for him to help. No, and he felt right? bad, and he didn't know. Like I think there was all that stuff going on. It was just a weird yeah, he's not, situation. He's not going to try and sell guys on him being there longer than he is if he's not going to be there, which we all know he wasn't going to be. Or now we do. And um, I mean but, specifically in his like not talking. The Cavs fired Brown in 2010 without talking to him. He just wasn't saying anything. You're just left in the dark. You can't leave him in the dark. Yeah, but that's my point, is that he had a reason to leave us in the dark then. And likewise, he didn't leave the, uh, the heat in the dark in 2011, 2012, 2013. It was 2014 when he didn't know what the fuck he was going to do, right? Right. He was, still, he was like, you know, I think I might go back to Cleveland. I kind of, like, want to go soon. This might be the time to do it. So that's why he wasn't talking to them. Uh, unless LeBron wants to go somewhere else, which I don't think is really a possibility here. No, I don't think so either. I, he has no incentive to not be on the phone with us, and I think he's been that he's been that way all season. First of all, with Kevin Love, with talking right. about J.R. Smith, saying bring him in here, I'll take care of it. You know, like he's been very he's been he's been good on that score score all season. I cannot believe he would be that way now. And for Brian Windhorst to suggest that, I think is kind of ridiculous and and unwarranted and a little. Well, Windhorst has just said that's his history. Yes, but he's, he's suggesting it that way. it's likely to happen again. Yeah. Right. So he can't do that. He can't wait a long time to make a decision about how he wants to do his contract. He needs to let us know right away so that we can. That's the big domino that's got to fall, obviously. Agreed. Agreed. And everything else has to go from that. So he can't screw around. So that was my long aside to saying if somebody else offers PT the max, I hope LeBron is stepping up enough so that we can have a real conversation with him and say, here are the consequences of doing this. Because mm -hmm. he's what not a max player. It would be too bad to tie up that money with him. Him. And mm -hmm. as people have pointed out, out, then we'd have max contracts tied up with three guys who are sort of fours. Sort of fours. Yeah. LeBron, yeah. Love, and Chi And obviously, very different kinds of players, players, players do different things. But <laughs> still. Um, but uh, don't dodge, Maddie. Uh, I, I sent a dodge here. Yes, obviously, LeBron says, guys, sign TT. If, yeah, this is my team. Sign TT. We need him. Of course we do it. Of course we do it because having LeBron is worth uh, the cap restrictions of signing TT to a ridiculous max contract. But uh, what should what would you tell LeBron? Would you tell LeBron to let TT walk if he gets a max offer? See, this is where it gets tough. It, in a vacuum, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. He's not he's not a max player. That's, that's can't sign non-max players to max contracts. They're not close max players to max contracts, right? 
Right. I don't think Draymond's quite a max player either, but he's max-ish NBA world, and that's close enough. TT's a level below him, I think. Um, but our salary cap restrictions are such that I don't think we could replace him in a very good way. Nope. Exactly. So I think he might even have to bite the bullet here. Uh, I, I 100% agree with you. I think I think we cannot offer him the max. In fact, we need to be aggressive now. I, I forget how it works, Matty. Do you know we can offer him contracts now, right? We don't have to wait for yeah. free agency for to sure. start, right? We should we should try to get him lined up, locked up before free agency begins on July 1st, right? July 1st when it starts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we have to find a way to sign him early and uh, you know offer him. What, what, I don't what, think what he's, he's going to. Why would he sign for anything besides the max with us, though? I think if his if he wants to make a ton of money, and that's what everybody says, and we offer not the max, even if his agent thinks that's the most he's going to get, there's no harm for saying, "All right, we're going to go see what the market says." Uh, I, I I guess I feel like I feel like we should be able to get. Has has his agent said that he wants the max? He expects the max? No, no. I don't think anyone's actually said that. No, but if you think there's a chance of getting it. And there's almost no downside to making the Cavs sweat a little bit. Well, the downside is a good agent uh, would do that, I think. Well, again, but the, but the, again, this, and that's that's the funny thing about the situation is that his agent is LeBron's you know best friend and agent. Right, that's weird. Right, so LeBron wants to win. LeBron knows enough about the GM situation, the salary cap situation, to be like, look, Tristan, I want you to get fucking paid, but a max contract is going to really you know hamstring us. Uh, you, you're obviously going to make more than what, what did he turn down already? Was it four years and 52? Yeah, four years, 50, or four years and 52, something like that. Yeah, uh, I, I think we offer him something like 60, which is halfway to max, uh, at four years. And I think LeBron talks him into it and says, like, dude, you just earned yourself like eight million more dollars. Like, that's 100% right. Like, and people were saying the Cavs are crazy for offering him that much before, like, it was crazy to turn that down. Uh, Jacob Rosen's positing, I think, like sixty-seven million a year, which is not quite the max. Like, what would the max? I forget what the max would be for him. Um, yeah, I think it's four years and eighty something, because it's twenty million a year. Right. Yeah, he turned out fifty-two million four years. Um, I think. Uh, I think seventy million is is a max for his um, for his year for his uh, draft class. I think something around seventy million. Maybe 72, 73, because he's a little bit higher drafted. I'm going off Clay Thompson's uh, uh, semi-max contract that he got. Well, look um, at Kyrie's. So, Kyrie's was what? He's the same year. Yeah, what was Kyrie's? I can't remember. It was, ex- it was, it was an extension, too. So it's, hard, it's hard to me to, to, to make sense of it. Um, well, regardless. Anyway, it's like, it's like 15 times 4 is what? 60. 60. 60. So, but it's more than that. I feel like it's more. I thought, I thought Kyrie was getting paid 15 a year. Anyway, we're not being really helpful right now. Uh, the point being, I really think we should try to like come at them hard and aggressive with a big increase off 52, like 60, 62 million, something like that, like a big increase and say, we love you. We want you to stay here. Um, I don't want this to go to, you know, uh, free agency. Let's, let's, let's get you locked in now and, and keep this team together and see what he does. Yeah, obviously we're at the LeBron, so we'll know whether this is going to be good or not <laughs> before we right. do that. If we can't, we see what happens. If they, if some other team offers in the max, if we, if they can't, we let them go to the market. If some other team offers in the max, I think we have to, we just have to bite the bullet and match it. Yeah, because, I, uh, I don't does, think somebody's going to go offer in the max. I don't think so either. But if they do, just fucking bite the bullet and do it. Like some team might know that we're, we have to match it, so they'll Brandon offer to just fucking trying to screw us. Yeah, yeah, I can see that happening 100. percent 
Um, it's bold, it's ballsy, but uh, I could see someone doing that. And if they did, we just have to bite it because, uh, frankly, we got to win now, and we're not going to replace Tristan Thompson now uh, and with with our salary cap situation. Uh, we just deal with it and figure out a way to make it work. Um, yeah. Yeah. And we deal with four max contracts is what we do. <laughs> it's just crazy, but so hey, crazy. we got we got we got an owner that's willing to spend. You just keep doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, uh, let's talk about Jr. and Shump, uh, the New York Knicks castoffs. Yeah, this is where it gets tricky. This gets tricky and tough. So Shump is also in Tristan Thompson's draft class, also looking for a big deal. Um, Jr. It's a different situation. He's, he's he said he's going to turn down his six point seven million dollar option on next season, mm-hmm. which is just for one year. Uh, he hasn't indicated what he's looking for. Jacob Rosen, in his piece we've been talking about and citing throughout this podcast, uh, just pegs him at $10 million a year and also pegs Iman Shumper at $10 million a year. Um, I, my I don't initial think we can pay both of those guys. I don't think we can pay them both $10 million. I agree. Um, my, my, I, I want to throw this to you with my initial thought being that I feel like while $10 million is too much, honestly, for either player, at all, period. Again, the same Tristan Thompson scenario comes into play of we can't replace them, period. We just can't. So right. we're sort of at their mercy a little bit. At the same time, they also want, you know, they want to win now. Like, that's why, number one, JR's motivation is so, is as enigmatic as JR himself. Uh, I think he has a ton of motivation uh, to just keep with, stay with LeBron as long as he possibly can to keep having a chance to redeem himself in championship rounds. So he might discount a little bit. At the same time, he's GR. <laughs> and of right. course, he's going to go get that fucking money. Like, why wouldn't he? Um, and I don't blame him at all for doing that uh, or, or uh, Iman. Um, but we can't pay them both $10 million. We can't – I almost said love to pay one of them $10 million. I think Shump had – if Shump if, – if we had to pay Shump $10 million, I think I'd do it. I don't want to. Um, ten over four, four or something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Ten million over four, you know, four four years. But Jr., I hope we sell him on. Like, I would like to. I would much rather. This is crazy. Hear me out. I'd much rather sell Jr. on like a seven million contract, right? Seven million a year, like no big increase, but like I'll give him a bunch of years. Like, you're gonna be with LeBron <laughs> a long time, but but let us pay you less because <laughs> we need we need the cap savings. And isn't it more important to know? Because if, if he wants like ten million a year, offer him for one year. You know, like that. Fine. We, I, over the next two years, or, or like this, like I was saying before. Don't worry about the first, next two years. I pay him a ton. I maybe pay him ten million next year. You know, maybe even ten million the year after that. Fuck it. But then like it's gonna drop down to four million. <laughs> something. Well, something it'll be really way lower. It'll be really interesting to see what his uh, market is. Market is. Yeah. Because com- coming into the trade, it was assumed that he would take that option because nobody was going to pay him more than $6 million next year. Exactly, exactly. And he had sort of played his way out of that with the Cavs and maybe played his way back into it in the finals a little bit. I mean, he yep. hit the bed pretty well and good for us. Yep. So I think I think maybe for both those guys, you got to see what the market is looking at for them and then adjust accordingly. And I think whatever we can get for the Haywood contract plays into this too. Because if you can get somebody that can come and fill that role mm-hmm. for a similar salary, it probably precludes signing both of them. I agree. Um, well, though, I don't know. It depends. I mean, again, we're, we're willing to be over the cap next two years. So it depends on what kind of contract we get back. 
that, right. that's a fun thing is that we can take on ridiculously bullshit contracts that do not make any sense for us cap wise as long as it, do, it doesn't hurt us in year three. So right. I think that's the key thing to think about um, when you see all these deals coming out. And that's the funny thing is that, yeah, we actually, the funny thing is now while we are under the, you know, we have no levers with TT, right? We're kind of at his mercy um, because of the LeBron situation in particular. With Jaron Trump, while they sort of has a, have us under a gun, as we said, that sense that we can't replace them uh, with anyone anywhere near as good on the free agent market, again, I don't think the market's going to be that hot for them. And one, Trump, we're going to give a qualifying offer to you. So we'll just match. Everyone knows. Everyone knows we will spend what we need to on Trump. And I think that will preclude a lot of offers. I think that will that will that will hurt his market knowing the Cavs. Like as Griff said, we're sending qualifying offers right now. Yeah, to 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 Shump and I think he also is a deli. We'll talk about him in a second. Uh, and meaning like we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna keep them. You know, he right. basically was like we're we're bringing them back. We'll see about what we bring Mac at, but we're 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 getting qualifying offers so we can match anything that, get, that he gets offered. That I think right. will hurt his offer because no one's gonna want to waste time with, with an offer and, that they know that we're gonna match. Right, it ties up their cap during those cap, that time exactly. Too. Mm -hmm. And Shumper hurt his value a little bit during the finals too. Although I suspect he was hurt all finals long after that. Oh, to after that, after totally that was. Pay. I think even if the market's not high for him, we're still going to overpay a little bit just to just to be good to him. Um, uh, you know, just to build goodwill. Uh, even though it's kind of a, a ridiculous thing to say or do, but I think that will actually play into a little bit that we will more than any other team out there respect the fact that you played hurt and that you weren't showing all that you could show. We see the potential in you. So, you know, I think, I think that will, will play into the negotiations that even if, even if, for example, he gets no offers in the market, we're still going to give him a big deal, I think. Right. Um, hopefully, hopefully under 10. If we, can get, if we can get Shump under 10, that's amazing. 10 a year from Obama. That, that would be fantastic, a fantastic result, even if that's, like, more than he's worth. Do you know what I mean? Sure. sure. No one in a unique spot uh, as far as that goes. Yeah. I agree. And, and, I, and I also feel like we could surprise with a good deal with, with Shump, meaning, again, uh, uh, sorry, Shump, uh, JR. Uh, with a relatively low per year value, but like I, I, I have a feeling that Jr. is going to want to uh, is, is going to value the years more than than salary. Is that crazy? I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I, he doesn't seem like somebody that thinks long term to me. Except that I don't know. He just he just was so unhappy in New York, and now he's with LeBron. I just I, I, it's the LeBron fact that tells me that he might trade a, a, a not, not a lot. Like he's not going to go crazy down low. But I think he, for example, might take uh, uh, a lot of front-loaded money over the first two years for uh, two more guaranteed years, but lower in salary. Right? Just knowing That's he has possible. that option, you know. As long as the total dollars are the same. Yeah, or or giving or giving us team options for three and four kind of thing. You know, I don't know. We'll see. Right. I, I think I think that's what what Griffin has to do is negotiate Jr. to keep him with us for the next two years, and that's it. Um, and give us flexibility to not be to to not be uh, hung with the Jr. Albatross. Um, and years uh, three and four. Right. Um, yeah, all right. Of the two, Shump's uh, yeah. more important than JR to you? Yes, he's younger. Um, he doesn't have the offense, but I mean, just watching him in that series, the way he played defense, and it, it, he had problems off the ball, but I feel like he's, he's smart enough and, and athletic enough and to get better and better and better at that. Um, but I've never seen anyone strip the ball like him. Like, you yeah. know, everyone says, oh, just guys don't get called for slapping the ball and hitting the hand. No, he, like, every time I watch him do it, I don't – like, people. sometimes people get called. It's a, it's a borderline 50-50 call when you slap at the ball, whether they call a foul or not, even if you get all ball, right? Sure. But Shumps, one, developed a re reputation for doing it really well. And seriously, every time I see it, I'm going, like, there's not a doubt in my mind. He got all ball. 
he found a way to get that ball with a crazy ass swipe that looks like it's a wild swipe, but he just somehow finds the ball every time, doesn't catch their hands. And it's, 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 it's uncanny. 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 Exactly. It's so like that in itself is so much more valuable. I think long-term for the team than the craziness of JR, but Jesus, man, I don't, I, I want them both back. I can't deal with one of them leaving. I can't. I have all these JR shirts now. I can't. Uh, what are you, you going to do with it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, our, uh, did, did, Riffle buy, did our friend Riffle buy a JR jersey? Did he buy, did he buy one? I don't, I don't know if he ever did it. I should have asked He's got him. No guns, so probably not. He was over uh, my, my house for dinner the other night, uh, and I forgot to ask him. Um, but by the way, uh, Matt, I think I told you this before, but I want to tell the whole podcast world that, that Riffle, who doesn't know, who self-proclaimed doesn't know a lot about basketball, uh, uh, proclaimed that I, I had the superior X and O's uh, in our in our partnership. So I just wanted mm. to put that out there. He also said that you were the star of the show. Otherwise, and I'd talk a little too much. Uh, but you know, hey, I'll take the X and O's compliment from a guy who doesn't know anything about basketball. Yeah, <laughs> feel good about that. <laughs> yeah, I, oh yeah, I'll find a way. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, let me Delhi. On. Delhi, Delhi, Maddie, is this there- is we got to be careful here. This is real tough. This is real tough. This is this is this is where playoffs throw everything out of kilter. Um, before I ask you a question, let me just let me just tell you a little story. <laughs> let me put on the the patty cap here. Uh, and, and let me hold the conch for a second. Um, yeah, that, you have a problem finding the conch. Yes, yes, I do. Uh, I, but uh, no, Delhi. You know, signed on for this team. I still remember people saying, like, he does not belong in an NBA roster. We ripped on the first year he was on the team. Uh, through the first half of this year, people were saying, can we please get rid of him? Like, get rid of him. Uh, you know, uh, even our friend Grant had said, it. was it anyone on this roster, not you know, on the SH players list, our, our friends, uh, uh, not want this guy gone? You know, I, I was the one guy that was like, eh, I can just see this guy having this kind of playoffs. That crazy out of nowhere, difference-making thing in 10 – 15 minute bursts, right? I didn't see this at all, obviously. But um, point being, he's come out of nowhere um, to be our like little mini X factor who's limited, obviously. He's not athletic. He, he is not reliable as a three point shooter. Uh, even though he hit 40% in the regular season, uh, he kind of he can't you know, handle the ball. He, he cannot handle the ball. Entering the ball into the post. He cannot guard guys one on one, which the Golden State Warriors took six games to figure out. that stop setting picks just take him down one-on-one he can't stay with you he cannot i remember watching a game i think i think it was the game i got to see courtside in philly uh where no no ah fuck i can't remember actually actually maybe the one on tv actually the first game he played against golden state actually uh when lebron was hurt uh igadala was driving just driving past him off the dribble you know not in the fast break and delhi just fell down because he couldn't keep up with him and just reached out and grabbed his like his waist mm-hmm. like he was like <laughs> being dragged <laughs> uh, on defense in a football play like uh, you know by a powerful running back like that's how unathletic he is I want him back though that all being said what he did in the playoffs is not a a outlier uh, in certain roles in certain spots in certain schemes he is a huge asset to have off the bench you don't want him to be your number two point guard but you want to bring him back. Is there any chance, Maddie, we can bring him back for less than $3 million a season? Yeah, I think so. Please? Please? Who's, who's going to go throw money at him? I don't know, but God, I think, I think uh, again, Mark, Jacob Rosen, who's been signing this whole time, said $3 million for him or something like that. That was his guess. No, no. no. I don't I – don't, I, the, the Knicks I, might, Matt. The Knicks might. The Knicks. 
the Knicks yeah. tried to, you know, they were our main bidding partner when we tried to sign him for a hundred thousand uh, dollars, you know, uh, after the draft two years ago. So <laughs> that's true. I mean, I can I don't want to underestimate the stupidity of some teams in this league, but you know, his carriage turned back into a pumpkin over the last three games of that series. Fast and briefly, that was so unfair. Everyone was like, you know, like you know, Stephen A. Smith, that that preternaturals idiot. Uh, uh, who just would say things like, you know, he's like, now we know what kind of player Matthew Dellavedova is. It's like, yeah, fuck you. He was always that player. The point was that that player was stopping Steph Curry. That was the whole fucking point. Yeah. Delhi wasn't saying it. Delhi wasn't saying, I'm the best player in the world. None of the Cavs were saying it. They were just saying he works hard and he slowed him down, which he did. Uh, yeah. I, just, I, just had to, I just had to stand up at Delhi for a second there. I never got a chance to say it. And, and everyone loves my Stephen A impersonation. Um, <laughs> I think we have to be disciplined on this one. I, I hope somebody's not stupid enough to throw a ton of money at him, and I think we have to be smart enough to. Yeah, we gotta walk away. I feel like God bless you, Billy. If somebody gives him that kind of contract, gotta be thrilled for him if he gets that. Um, but yeah. what 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 are you gonna pay him? What are you willing to pay him? I don't, I I think I do two years, four million. Yeah. The player option. Or team, I don't know, a team option for three million in the third year. Yeah, maybe let him let him earn it. Yeah, I'd do that. Something like that. Uh, I'd also give him a four-year contract, honestly, but for much less per year, like closer to one one point five. If he if he wants, you know, I mean, one one point five is nothing to sneeze at. If you get it for four years, four years, years six million dollar awesome. deal or something like that. That's, I mean, I mean, I know if I, I know that my athletic prowess. Well, I'm not six foot four, and I can't play basketball. <laughs> I feel like. <laughs> I, I feel an affinity for his athletic ability. Uh, if I were to face that contract, I would 100% take it every fucking time. I would not. I would not right. pass up. I would not leave two million on the table for you know just to get more money in the first two years, knowing I might get more in years three and four. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be sure. I would totally be around. Right. Three and four. I would take that. So hopefully we can yeah. do that. They just got. I mean, he's a fan favorite. I want him back. We just got to be smart. This is I. You, Hope Griffin is smart enough to know that. I think he is. Exactly. Yeah, maybe we give him a signing bonus this year. Because, again, this whole thing about the year one and two, it's okay. We can spend a lot of money this year and next right. year. Fuck it. Like, let's right. – yeah, that, 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 you know what? That's, that might be the smart thing for him to do is pay him a shit ton, like a big sign. I forget, do they do signing bonuses in the NBA? They don't really, do they? No, it's an NFL thing, really. Yeah, it's really an NFL thing. They don't really do that, but they should do something similar because they, they can schedule contracts to be high in one year or lower in the next year, right? I haven't seen that a lot, but they can do that. They should well, do that now. I think now. for salary cap purposes, they just weigh out the average per year, and it just matters for – Oh, really? So that, I think that's how it works. Oh, interesting, because that might, that might screw my theory then, right, that we can spend a lot in the first two years but not in the three, years three and well, four? It makes the contracts a lot more movable as you get later because they're, they're just – The point being, you have to move it, though. The point being, yeah, you have to move it, though, right? So that's got, that ruins my 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 plan. So maybe we do just you know look, maybe if we do the three million, we can do it for the first two years because who gives a shit? Um, but yeah, I do. I agree with you. I hope we actually offer him two years, two million, and and he takes it because um, it'd be a shame to see him go someplace else. I agree. I agree. Let it. Yeah. Let it's either that or what. Or, or vanity speaking, not the yeah. not the NBA executive. I agree. But that's my point. I feel like we should not let him go because we can match any con. Like if somebody offers him a big long, you know, more than two year contract, poison bill contract, because other God NBA bless, teams. Have, God bless him. I'm glad he made his money. Exactly. Exactly. 
Um, other NBA teams will know that. They can throw a poison pill. They know we don't want to spend in the third year Yeah. Um, if they're smart about it. So they can offer a, a, a deal that, you know, that, that will hurt us um, through three years. Um, so we'll see. Um, all right. Last thing I want to just briefly brought, bring up, um, there was a big uh, Twitter storm yesterday. Um, Mo Gotti says mm. he wants to play for Charlotte or Cleveland next year. Um, your thoughts, Maddie? Um, it, it is tempting on the one hand to like in an everybody comes home kind of way and make right. And I felt particularly bad for Mo. Um, when LeBron left, he took it yeah. really hard and had really nice things to say about Cleveland. And I will always love him for that. Absolutely. Um, I, I don't think it's a good fit. Yeah. I'd say tempting, but think, tempting, yeah. but back away slowly and then run away. Um, yeah. Why his defense has always been kind of terrible, right? Yeah. Um, also, like the reason the reason you want him right is they can handle the ball. Um, he can hit three pointers. He can generate offense on his own, right? That's somebody exactly. that can play with the bench unit and create offense, which exactly. And you like sorely missing. We could have used that in the championship. Yep. Exactly. Series for but, sure. But the last three seasons, you know, like his best two seasons were with the Cavs. And that's thing. Don't don't take Mo Williams from the Cavs and not, not uh, Mo Williams in his Cavs years as the starting point. Um, now, part of that's because he's playing with LeBron, so he had his best years. That's that's a very natural thing when playing with LeBron. You tend to have your best years. So sure. so that's not that's not a total outlier. At the same time, there's been a disturbing trend of, over his last three seasons and three foot three point field goal percentage and field goal percentage. Um, he went from 38% on three-pointers uh, three seasons ago to 36 to 34 this past year. 34 yeah. for a guard is terrible. Is Jeff Teague, you know, you don't have to guard him, terrible. Uh, and his field goal percentage went from 43%, which is not that good, even for a guard. It's not terrible for a guard, but not that good, to 42 to 40, which is kind of the death knell. Uh, it reminds me of that, of that, of that phrase that they, they used to say about Larry Hughes, all, all roads lead to 40. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He might get hot for a while. You notice that a huge fifty-point game that the Williams had last season. He's one of like five guys to have it yeah. uh, last season. But all roads lead to forty, meaning he's gonna have. He had a ton of horrible stretches then to pull that that average back down to forty. Um, also, he he did not have um, a great clutch uh, reputation even in his best years with Cleveland. And it, just, it, it brings me back to Ned's point that he made earlier in this podcast: the mental toughness of these Cavs. I, I don't think Mo's got it. And, you know, I love I, – I, I, now I get my back-end caveat that you gave at the beginning that I, I, I do love Mo. I have a real soft spot for Mo Williams. No, he's a special place in my heart for sure. Special place. The way he handled himself, uh, the, the way he was so hurt, like we all were by LeBron, and the way he said something by the Cavs when, when he left. Uh, and the fact that um, trading him gave us Kyrie Irving. I always love him for that. Yeah. Um, you know, so uh, you know, if he wants to come for the for the veteran minimum, sure. Uh, just to have him on the bench would be great. <laughs> uh, yeah. and, and it'd be great in the regular season. He would actually he would be an asset. But I, I tend to think uh, uh, there must be something better out there. Um, um, as tempting as Mogadi is. All right, yeah, Matt, you, go ahead. Go ahead. Do the last point. I was going to say this fun. It's it's an interesting off season. It'll get interesting quick for us, I think. And there are. Right, at least three roster spots we're upgrading: Haywood, Perkins, and Marion. Those guys, yeah. none of those guys are going to be on the team next year. Yeah, uh, possibly James Jones' spot. 
um, depending on what happens with him and uh, maybe the JR slash Shumpert spot if we don't get both of them. So three to five guys um, that we could bring in. Um, we need to, very clearly, we need to have people that can contribute next year um, versus what the end of our bench was this year. I'll be very interested to see what, what Griffin is able to do. It's a nice test for him. Yeah, and also for Blatt, because I feel like um, I feel like Joe Harris is going to actually be able to contribute next year a little bit more. Um, I feel like he actually could generate some offense, but he was obviously a rookie and really raw. He had some early burn. Um, I'm excited to see if he can step up and, and be more than a you know, <laughs> Luke Jackson type, uh, which would be acceptable for him because he's a second-round pick, not uh, you know, a first-round sure. pick like Luke Jackson was. Um, but just watching him play, he's not horrible on defense, not great by any stretch. But if he can get better, uh, uh, you know, better at defense and work his way into the rotation a little bit more, uh, I'd like to see more burn out of him in the regular season because he can hit threes and he actually can drive the basket. He's 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 talented. Um, so I like I like I like him a lot. And if we can get some more guys, if we, if we can fill those two spots that 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 backup point guard role, so that Delhi doesn't have to play tons of minutes, so that Delhi can play that ten to fifteen minutes off the bench max, <laughs> right? Uh, also, so that I, I don't, I really don't want Kyrie unless it's a really big game where we have to really win. I don't want Kyrie playing more than like thirty-two minutes a game. No, all those guys. I mean, I'd, I'd much rather have a deep team that can rest all those LeBron. I, I would, I would love to see Kyrie have, love. Yeah, let's let's move on briefly now because we have we're up, coming up on two hours now, so we're about to wrap it up here. Uh, let's talk about the outlook for 2015-2016 uh, since this is our our, our our last Cavs specific podcast uh, for the foreseeable future uh, until next season. Uh, for me, the things I'm looking for, things I'm hoping for, uh, with the Cavs next year is for LeBron to have a, uh, career low in minutes. Um, yeah. uh, I'd like to see him clo- closing in on, I mean, I think he had like what 37 this year per game. I should look this up, but I don't know, but it was definitely his lowest, but still very high. <laughs> yep. Um, Get that down around 33, 34. Yeah, I'm just like gonna say, just gonna say, I'd love to aim for 32. Uh, he'll probably get like to get under 35 would be great. Would be fantastic. Yeah. I'd also love for him to take two weeks off again. Just, just do it. Just do Spurs style. Take two weeks off. You know, early in the season, yeah. late in the season. Just do it twice. I, I like to have him take a, a whole month of games off. I don't care about our our uh, seating anymore. I think LeBron's right about that. Um, yeah. Uh, I'd love to see uh, Kevin Love uh, uh, get a lot of time off. More just games here and there. Whenever his back's acting up, give him the fucking day off. Like this, I want him to be super healthy. And I'd love for Kyrie just to play lower minutes overall. I'd like to hit him to, to get close to 32, 33. Um, just so there's less wear and tear, less bang, less opportunities for him to hurt himself. Um, and I'd love to just have him get those kinds of day off, those days off. Just give him a day off. You know, learn, learn, mm-hmm. The more we can learn to play without those key guys – the more robust we can be down the stretch, I think, if something happens to one of those guys. You know, I think we learned that in the playoffs that we need to find a way to do that. Um, but all that being said, I want to see all that happen, and I would love to see us um, run scorched earth over the NBA next season. Um, It'd be great. I want, and I, most of all, Pat, I want this Warriors team in the finals next year. Big time, 100%. Wipe that smirks off their faces. I would love to, just to absolutely destroy them. I'd love to see that. That would be that would be the best. Um, anything else you're looking forward to? No, that's it. These are these are nice times, man. Uh, it's so much better than than what we've been through for the last four years. The team's going to be good next year. The team will be good. Whatever happens, they're going to be good for the next few years. Um, it's a ride we should all look forward to. Absolutely, these are great times to be a Cavs fan, and not just a Cavs fan, Maddie. These are 
you know, dare I say it, the Cavs are so good, these are great times to be a Cleveland fan. Look at that. They can, it mm. can even override how awful the Browns still are uh, yeah. and how mediocre the Tribes still are, which we will talk about uh, in yes. our next podcast, which will be renamed the Cleveland Sports Hour with Maddie and Patty. Um, and uh, I don't know when we're going to do that, Maddie, but we're going to give our wives a break. Um, I think they'll appreciate that. Oh, I suspect so. Uh, but maybe, you know, maybe we're, a couple we're, weeks. A couple weeks, maybe. You know, I'll be on vacation uh, the weekend before uh, the Fourth uh, of July weekend. So maybe the weekend before Fourth of July weekend, we do something like this. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Beautiful. All right, so uh, stay tuned, gentlemen. Uh, we will uh, uh, be back with the Maddie and Patty uh, Cleveland Sports Hour uh, in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, uh, keep the faith, Cavs fans. Keep strong. It was a good season. It was a good season, and as we all know to say, there is always next year, and next year can't come soon enough. Uh, until next time, this is Maddie and Patty saying, <laughs> All right, we nailed it that time. <laughs> all right, Maddie, go Cavs. <laughs> go Cavs, buddy. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon.